This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. To say Denise Curry is a basketball legend would be an understatement. Her life and playing career in basketball is hard to take in. She is UCLA's all-time leading scorer with 3,198 points. In 130 college basketball games, she averaged a double-double. She won UCLA's women's only basketball championship as a freshman. Three months later, she won UCLA's first NCAA softball championship as the first baseman. She is in every basketball hall of fame you can think of. She won a gold medal in 1984 at the Olympics, and let's not forget she was named the French basketball player of the decade. I'd have five minutes before I left for school, I'd go out and shoot. Get 10 minutes before dinner, go and shoot, get a bunch of shots up. Um, and Mike usually would be out there with me. Once in a while, I could rope my mother into coming out rebounding. Not always, but sometimes, you know. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty cool place to, to grow up in good environment to do so. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Emmy and Oscar winners, cancer survivors, and photographer Kelly Gavin. The first thing I see is a comment from Ari with the Yankees, just saying, that's my friend. And I click on it, like, that's my friend, so proud or something. And I click on it, and I'm like, what is she talking This is a Sports Illustrated cover. And then I realized it was my friend. It took me a full minute. And again, I wasn't on a whole lot of sleep, but I was like just completely blown away and then I just started crying I'm like sobbing in my hotel room at 7 a.m at this like I mean it was just very surreal go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into my conversation with Denise Curry this is my absolute just favorite part right now that I get to sit down with you who I've known for over 20 years and I have you on the podcast. Denise, how are you? I'm doing great and appreciate you having me. And it's always good to catch up. You are, like I said, before we hit the record button, the research on my guests is like the most favorite part I get to do and learn. And I knew a lot about you. And now I feel like I'm a third cousin close. Like, holy criminy, <laughs> you are unbelievable. My guess is you know more than my cousins do, probably. <laughs> and um, I was a history major, so the fact that you tell me that you love doing the, the research and getting prepared for this, uh, I, I love that because I love history. Oh, yeah. So, All kinds, so, I mean, yeah. The amount of stuff I dug through and trying to find stuff, and it's the time when you played, the records were just shabby. Like, nobody really had, like, trying to find your like box score now where it's like they could tell you where everybody shot from on the floor down to like the foot. Then it was like, yeah, your shooting percentage. That's it. I had no idea if you shot more within five feet, three feet, 10 feet, the key. But what I was able to find out, stunning. The best part is you were born in Montana. Yes, I was. was I'm a proud Montana. <laughs> Absolutely. Fort Benton, Montana. Yeah. Dude, they have like an honorary, like, thank you, Denise Curry lived here kind of when you roll into town? No, <laughs> but my parents both taught there. 
Yeah. In, in Fort Benton. My dad grew up in Arlie, which is outside of Missoula. And my mom grew up in Bainville, five miles from the North Dakota border. They met at Montana State. My dad was teaching in Fort Benton when they got married. So my parents both taught there. So a lot of people know the Curry name because of my parents being teachers. My dad was a basketball coach there. Right. So there's a lot of history as far as... You know, with that, I only lived there. I think my parents moved to Bozeman. I think I wasn't quite two. Yeah, you were a little. little but I, one. but I have a lot of pride in being from Fort Benton. And yeah. my older sister, three years older, she was born there. My brother, who's two years older, decided to show up early, so he actually was born in Bozeman. My dad was going to summer school to finish his masters. Whoopsies. So Leanne and I got bragging rights for Fort Benton, and he's got it for Bozeman. And then my younger brother was born in Chico, California. Right. So, so he doesn't have any kind of. No, he doesn't get. He doesn't get. He doesn't get Montana bragging rights. And no. it was cool growing up when you, I mean, we were always proud of it. And people looked at you like, like, I'm not anti-Oklahoma, but they say they act like we're Oak, Okies or something yeah. from Montana or whatever. Now when you tell people, they think it's the coolest thing ever. Oh, oh my God, you're from Montana. It's gorgeous. Or I've always wanted to go there. It's on my top list. And right. I want to fly fish. And I want to do this. And I want to do that. And so it's pretty cool. I, I consider myself a proud Montanan. But home is Davis, California, right. Northern California, because that's really where I grew up. And yeah. I went to school from third grade on. Yeah. I'm sure... The show Yellowstone, with its popularity now, it. has like made you even like more of a like. Wow, you're from Montana. Do you know Kevin Costner? <laughs> I actually have met Kevin Costner, but sure. as I'm sure you have because of our Cal State Fullerton connection. Right. But, um, yeah, a lot of people they have asked me about that, and I know this last season, which I've only watched the first two episodes of this I last won't season, say a word. and I haven't watched any of the new, you know, the the 1883. 1883 yes. I haven't watched that yet, but I know this last year they filmed it. I think in entirely in montana in, near darby yeah and i know before they filmed a lot of it in uh in utah right so yeah but yeah it's a lot of people really enjoy that show i love it i don't like the violence but right. it's the scenery is just unbelievable i the it makes you fall in love when they show those just scenic shots of the mountains and clouds coming and going and the clothes and the horses i mean and it looks like that. Yeah. That's how it is. Um, my nephew lives in Bozeman. Okay. He went to Montana State and ran track there. Um, so I try to get there at least every other year. Okay. If, I, if I can, I was there this summer. My older brother, his, his dad lives in Gillette, Wyoming. So um, he went to school there in college in Montana and then ended up being in Gillette and teaching. So I'm in that part of the country quite a bit. So I'm wow. really glad to still have a lot of family. Besides, I have an uncle and I've got cousins that live throughout the state. Wow. Yeah, it's, that's a place where you got to go. People don't sit there and make it a, a destinational spot, but it's beautiful. I'm sure with the explosion of Yellowstone their chamber of commerce is very happy. Yes. And I think, I think the other big thing is, is more and more people work from home or wherever yeah. they want to. A lot of people are, especially Californians we know are moving out of the state. And I know that's one of their destination places in Montana. I'd be one. Yep. My younger brother lives outside of Boise, Idaho. They're complaining about all the Californians moving in. Same kind of thing. They want to get out of the rat race, mm -hmm. you know, get an affordable home and, um, can, you know, like I said, you can work from any place now right. with so many professions. With two teachers in your home running the group, where did the athleticism come from or the, just the love of sports? My father was uh, a longtime high school coach. He played okay. basketball at Montana State. He's still in their top 10 scoring list. We just looked a couple weeks ago, my siblings and I, he graduated 
1951, so 71 okay. years ago. He's still top 10 scoring. Wow. Which is unbelievable. Pre three-point line, oh, yeah. all the advantages all they and have now. And a lot now. of games were, like, really low scoring. Right. 40s, 50s and stuff. You know, he scored 50 points in a high school game which is unheard of at that time too graduated high school in 1947 he grew up in Arley on the Flathead Indian Reservation were those eight minute or eight minute quarters then it, yeah I'm pretty sure they were eight Jesus I'm pretty was... sure that's a lot of points yeah. that's a lot of points so I mean that gets brought up every now and then somebody will ask me about that they'll have heard about that or done some research but uh, yes my dad was a basketball player and um and I think he became a high school teacher and coach okay and if you grow up in that environment, I mean, you're certainly influenced by right. it. Um, I think you either learn to love or hate the sport because it was so much of our of our family life. Right. And he also coached track and football and baseball and softball. He coached me in softball at Davis High School. So I, th- I think we're just surrounded by athletics. My older sister, who's the older sibling, she really didn't get involved in sports probably until high school. She was a really good athlete, had a really good high school career and played field hockey at UC Davis, played one year of softball there as well, but a really good, really competitive, really a fireball, much more so than the rest of us. Really? But my young, older brother, who's two years older, I've kind of t- followed him around, tagged after him. And <laughs> Mike was really good to me. He didn't have to be, but he, he was really good. He didn't just allow me to play with he and his buddies, but he encouraged me to play. And that, that's kind of unheard of. Right. Especially at that time. Yeah. Because you're we're talking the sixties. Yeah. 59. So yeah. yeah. You're pre AAU. There was no, no little mm-mm. women's league no, or anything. Nothing. Uh-uh. You had to play pickup ball. Absolutely. And with the neighborhood, neighborhood kids and his friends and yeah so Mike was really instrumental in in me developing into the player and having the kind of career I did and certainly my dad's influence was huge right. my mother's support my older sister's support and my younger brothers but yeah I owe a lot to to my father but probably even more to my brother Mike right was was high school your first organized basketball then I, I played as a ninth grader we had a three-year high school so I was still in junior high they they had boys basketball teams okay they did not have girls but this uh, the, but the principal at the high school talked to the superintendent and got it approved that girls in the ninth grade we could try out for the high school JB team so what was junior high then seven eight nine seven eighth and ninth okay. yes so there were two junior highs in Davis I went to Holmes Emerson's the other one and about three or four of us played JV basketball as ninth graders so that's the first time I played organized competitive sports how was that for you first time it was fantastic. playing with girls it was fantastic I mean I had done a little little bit of like at some of the um the different parks, they have like a spring camp and things like that. We'd right. play basketball and we'd play against the other parks in Davis. So I had played against girls. I'd played, I'd played, I should say, first organized basketball. I'd played Bobby Sox softball starting in the seventh grade. Okay. So I'd done that, but not organized basketball until ninth grade right. against girls. That's different now all of a sudden. You oh, yeah. start comparing yourself different. to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who Completely can do different. what? Who can do not? Who can't do things? Yes. Were you. An early bloomer to your height, um, or a late bloomer? Like no, you know? I'd say probably probably early. I probably I, 
I was five seventh beginning in seventh grade. I was six foot by my sophomore year in high school, and I'm okay. about six one now. Right. But I, I kind of my coordination kind of stayed with me the whole time, so right. that was good. When, yeah. when I'm growing, I'm getting taller, and that I still had coordination. Right. That's why I asked because, because sometimes if you're late, you've got great coordination. Absolutely. absolutely. And if yeah. you're early, if you're that poor yeah. girl at sixth grade who's six three. Yeah. Yeah, and not coordinated. Yeah, you're just dragging those no, limbs around. No, you're right. So I'm kind of lucky that my body kind of stayed. Stayed, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, no, that's you've important. You've recruited enough to know, like, oh, that poor thing. She's no, too, and, too no, big, too early. No, and you're looking and you're thinking, okay, but you're projecting, okay, she's got another year of high school, the summer after that, before we get her as a freshman in college, where do I think she's going to be then? Where do I think she could be after, you know, two or three years in college. I mean, a lot of it's guesswork. It is for boys or men too. Yes. But but uh, with guys, a lot of it's so much the physical strength thing. Right. More so than than coordination, unless you're talking about really big post players. Right. Well, Whereas, David Robinson, he's like the perfect example. Yeah, there you go. He Absolutely. was only like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, in high school. He goes to the Naval Academy, and they're like, what can we do with you now? Yeah. Yeah. You're seven one. Yeah, you don't get a. You don't. Yeah, you're too big. Yeah, you're and he for the a, equipment. Yeah, and, and he was supposed to be a could, submarine captain. Yes, that's yeah. That's not, not happening, gonna, David. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. yeah, it's interesting. That's why I asked that. If you, mm-hmm. you hold on to that early yeah. ability to just move, mm-hmm. did you feel playing with your brother, his friends, that advantage when you played against girls? Yeah, I would say definitely because, first of all, I've been playing a lot. Uh, I mean, I'd been just right. shooting out in front of the driveway my whole life. Um, Mike and I would go up to the high school on weekends, and my dad had to go up to grade papers. He was a high school teacher, a history teacher, and then a driver's ed and training instructor. So he'd go up to grade papers, and he'd open the gym for us, which was, <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding? That's, that was like Disneyland. <laughs> so we'd get to run around and shoot and that. So, yeah, I, I think just – collectively all all the times I played I'd have five minutes before I left for school I'd go out and shoot got 10 minutes before dinner go and shoot and get a bunch of shots up um and Mike usually would be out there with me once in a while I could rope my mother into coming out rebounding not always but sometimes you know so it was um yeah it was pretty it was a pretty cool place to to grow up in good environment to do so. Now, I know you talked about it in your deduction speech that Mike beat the snot out of you going left and, and yeah, again, this goes back absolutely. to recruiting. You've seen that enough where yes. you got people that are one-dimensional. They just can't yes. dribble with their left. They can't go to their left. Was that just the absolute advantage for you by the time you got to high school to have that I've, other tool? Absolutely. I would say it might have been the biggest advantage I had throughout my entire career because I'm right-handed, and people knew that from shooting. Sure. They just assumed, okay, we're going to take away her right. We're going to force her left. My left became my strong side. Oh, so Mike was responsible for ha- making sure I had a left hand by not ever letting me go right. And then it became my strength. So people would take away my right, and they're really giving me my strength as far as driving. Right. They just didn't understand. Yeah, even though I was, obviously I'm right-handed yeah. shooting, and I can shoot with my left, certainly sure. around the basket. But, yeah, so I think it was probably my greatest strength. And then um, I developed into a pretty darn good shooter, to right. tell you the truth. Scored yeah. a lot of points, but, yes. but Mike was super instrumental. We'd play one on one, and he would not. What would he do? Just literally, just shut you down. Yeah, your, yeah, your absolutely. Side? He'd make me go left. I absolutely could not go right. And then, and then he'd call out what I was going to do before I do it. Like, oh, step through. You're trying to, do, you know. And then I'd try to change it. I end up traveling or flubbing or just flinging the ball up, you know, because he had. I mean, he had me pinpoint right. right what I wanted to do. So he says you can't be predictable. 
you know, you got to be able to mix up. You got to have a counter to your, to your moves and things like that. So he was, yeah. How great of a player was Mike? Mike was a really good player, really good high school player. He played at Sac City okay. uh, Community College for two years. And then he played at Rocky Mountain College at NAIA school in Billings, Montana. Did he ever coach? Because he sounds... Okay, yeah. Mike is the most accomplished coach, well, by far, in our family. He has 11 or 12 state championships in Wyoming. Wow! He retired from teaching and coaching, I want to think, four or five years ago. And then they opened a new high school in Gillette, and one of his former players got the varsity job and asked Mike if he'd come in and, and help coach so he's the jv coach helps with the varsity so it isn't the same kind of commitment mm-hmm. as it was before but it keeps him busy and keeps him involved but yeah he won i should know but you know when you have that many i ran out of fingers sure counting. he's got 11 or 12 yeah, state titles off your elbow he's the most point. accomplished um, boys basketball coach in that Can, state and one of the more in the country to tell you he the truth. sounds like a coach the way he made you do things, absolutely he sounded like he was already set in his career yeah. path well, I think so. I don't know if he knew it at Did the time. Did he get that from your dad? Um, Mike's a lot different personality-wise. I don't know. My dad had more of a temper and and and, and uh, didn't have the patience. And Mike had Mike has a lot of more patience in that. Which, you know, they're just different different kind of personalities. Right. Obviously both successful in what they did. But but I think Mike he learned a lot from dad, but I think he also learned what not to do or not how to coach. Right. Because dad was really, really hard on him. Okay. Uh, so his teammates told me and Leanne this, my older sister, all the time, like, God, your dad's always on Mike. We screw up and he gets yelled at. Right. Or he gets this or that. It was really, I mean, I think it was really difficult for Mike. But right. Mike handles things very well. And then my younger brother, who's seven years younger than me, also played for my dad. My dad's last year coaching high school was 1984, which was my brother's senior year, my brother Ryan. So he was still pretty intense. I don't know if it's quite the same way it was with Mike, but it was still, yeah, he's pretty, pretty intense. Right. I mean, for Mike to be able to understand how to handle a female and a sister and still give like enough advice, be hard enough on you, but then when to pull back, that's mm-hmm. pretty mature at that level. Absolutely. I, I, I agree, Matt. And I think sometimes it's hard for Mike. He got teased. Like at sure. times... I'm a better athlete. Right. I, I'm a better player than him. I mean, I'm faster than him. And you're never a better basketball right. player. But I was faster than him at some point, like in elementary school. I was two years younger and things like that. And certainly he went right, right on by me and stuff. So, But Mike handled things really well. I'm sure at times it was really difficult for him. I'm getting a lot of accolades right. and things. And, but, uh, yeah, he's just... Like Mike's you're not a, as good as your sister. Yeah, and all uh, that, you know, kind of like that. Guys Mike's being like, yeah, guys just busting yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike's kind of, yeah, whatever. If that's the worst thing you heard in life, you're okay. Yeah, you know, that's that my sister's how, a really good yeah, basketball yeah, player. Like, yeah, no, exactly. Or <laughs> his, he shared a bedroom with, with Ryan. He's nine years older. It would have made sense for Leanna and I share a bedroom. We're three years apart, but mm-hmm. m- my parents had my brothers sharing a bedroom. So when Mike's a sophomore in high school. Ryan is, I don't know, a first grade, no, yeah. a kindergartner. Yeah. So Five Mike can't old. even go in his own bedroom after seven at night because his little brothers and they're sleeping unless it's time for Mike to go to bed. You know, so he doesn't even have his room and stuff. And you, you ask Mike, and Mike says, yeah. Like I just said, oh, if that's the worst thing that happened to you, come on, you've had a great life. Right. Mike was just, he's a good go with the flow, keep things in perspective. 
you know, just really understands what's important, what isn't, doesn't hang on to things. He's a lot different than I am. Right. But, but just, yeah, just a really, a really good guy. He sounds unbelievable. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah. And he was great. He was great. Now, was it always perfect between us? Certainly not. Did we fight in this? You know, he wasn't allowed You're to siblings. really. You're siblings. Physically, to, but, yeah. you know, but. We How hard was, were the technicals? Yeah, no, really? yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it could have been, you know, we were both scared to death of Leanne, the wrath of our older <laughs> sister anyway, even though she's only a year older than Mike, he was scared of her too. But Was she the hammer? Yeah, yeah, she was. She was kind of the disciplinarian and, and this, kind the, of yeah. the role her parents no, gave no, her? No, and she just took it. Oh, Nobody ah. gave it. She just took it, man. <laughs> she was strict in this. And, and my younger brother, who she's 10 years older, she kind of raised him. I mean, as far as my parents were there, but, mm-hmm. but she would be like, Ryan, you better start eating those vegetables or I'm going to keep piling on that plate. I'm getting the spoon out. You start eating those beans. And I'm not kidding. Ryan be like, okay, you start shoveling before, you know, she was just like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. She had us all like Whipped toe in the, the line. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I'm not exaggerating up. at all. She's great. She lives in Laguna Niguel. So I'm, oh, she's only, close. Yeah, I'm eight miles from time. her. I see her all the time. Love her to death. She's just, just great. Big sister, super supportive of me. And I have a great relationship with her husband and, and her three sons. So it's, yeah, it's really neat. I'm really blessed. My family, my parents, this, my siblings, I mean, just, we're all really, really close. My parents are no longer with us, but right. siblings, we're super close. We don't just spend time together because we're related. We do it because we love each other and we want to. Right. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and they say that so often that the only reason you hang out with, like, your brother or sister is because you're related. Mm-hmm. If you if you no. weren't, you wouldn't talk to these no, people. No, exactly. And that's not the case. And I'm real, people tell us that a lot of my neighbors are like, I can't believe you. I mean, you guys really like each other. We're like... <laughs> Yeah, we do, because yeah. they're over a lot, you know, right. and my brothers come to town, they stay with us and stuff. No, it's, it's, it's cool to have that kind of relationship. When did you start to, or maybe you didn't, but when did you start to, I'm assuming, love basketball? I think I, think I loved it from, like, kindergarten. Really? That, that early? Yes, because going to Dad's games and being around it, and I loved it. I don't know what it was exactly. But I really liked it. I mean, we certainly weren't getting a sitter. And my mom wanted to go to the game. So guess what? We were going. Right. Right? That's what you did. Yeah. You, know? you, you dragged everybody it. along. Yeah, absolutely. So I I, mean, I think when you just around it so much. And we, by the time we moved to Davis, I was in the third grade. And instead of having a babysitter, I would go to my dad's practices. So, so I'd hang out in the gym. Be so, there. Yeah. I was just around it all the time. Yeah. And I, I think I've always loved it. Yeah. I, I think there's certain athletes that you can see play it, enjoy it, and then love it. And if you get that guy or gal to love it, you got a different basketball player. Mm-hmm. People who are playing it because they're just kind of going through the system, mm-hmm. I got a scholarship, mm-hmm. I play. Mm-hmm. You don't always get that fire lit mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You've got to no, love no. it. And I, th- I think that was probably my biggest problem with coaching. People said, well, you're frustrated or it's this or that because they're not as good as you or they don't understand it like you or they'll never. And I don't think it was that. I think it was because my love for the game, my passion for it, for wanting to do your best, to maximize right. what you have. Right. Not that it has to be your whole life. But if you're on a college scholarship, it should be a big part of it. Right. You're getting school taken care of. You're getting this, this great opportunity to be part of a team, life-changing memories, travel, all these great things. To me, I think sometimes it was like people that shortchange it. You're, waste, you're wasting your time and others if you're not here to put in your best effort. Right. I mean, that's, 
yeah. that's what I heard Larry Bird say that like he he has difficultness with the NBA players, even the some collegiate players that would reach out to him was he they didn't understand how much he loved the game. That's why he did the things he did. He didn't do it because he just wanted to hang out in the gym right. for 14 hours a day. Yeah. Getting blisters and just shoot. He mm-hmm. did it because that's what mm-hmm. he'd love to do. Next level. Absolutely. Like I said, when I had a few extra mo- moments, I'd be out shooting. Boom. Now I played other. I played right field I mean, hockey two years, one year of volleyball. In Ten letters years. in high school. Um, what sport didn't you play? I did track after softball was done my senior year. We won league, so we won league every on every team I played for in high school. We won league yeah. championship. Ten. Which is pretty cool. What What did you What did you do in track? I did shot. Okay. Shot and discus, but like I came out after softball so, was done. So did you play tennis? No. Soccer? No, soccer. They didn't have girls soccer. That's what I'm then. just trying to figure they out. They hadn't even started AYS. Yeah, so but, yeah. at least, I mean, they had soccer, but not, not at our high school. Obviously basketball, Bas- softball. Swim? Um, not me. I've got three nephews who are all collegiate water polo players, which is really cool. They grew up down here, but no, so, whatever sport was in season, like you played. I played and with the neighborhood kids and that. So what would have been fall for you then? What would so have... I played a field hockey oh, my, okay. field my ho- sophomore and junior years. And then I played volleyball my senior volleyball, year. Volleyball, right. And then I played softball all three years of high school. And then I played my freshman year at UCLA. I also played Yes, softball. that was the big surpriser for me. Trying to find those records. Yeah, like, that was uh, my freshman year was a really good year. We won national championships in two sports. I'm you like, were a it's, ridic- it's ridiculous to think about it. Now, I didn't play after my freshman year. I, to be honest, I don't know if I could would have made the team continue on. My focus was basketball. I was obviously a much better basketball and softball player. But I love that experience. I love being part of that. And they've won, you know, a dozen. Right. N- national championships in softball but i was on that first national championship team so i have a lot of pride in that and i love i love to follow that that team and that sport um i go up to games as when, when i can i don't get there as often as i do for the women's basketball right at ucla but but i'm really a proud alum of that program did you feel in high school that that it was just too easy for you that you dominated N- no i don't think i felt it was too easy i i i knew I could, I could always get better. There were things to do, and believe me, my dad reminded me of that right. on a daily basis, what I was or wasn't, especially right. on the defensive end. And Mike would say, you know, or Ryan, my younger brother, would say, geez, Dad, I mean, they won. She had 35. Come on, like, come on, give her a break. <laughs> Your opponent got 12. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, this or that. But, yeah. you know, I understand he's a coach, and right. he wants you to, he's to maximize what you have. Yeah. I get that. He's but, looking at certain yeah. things. Ryan's <laughs> looking at, like, my sister yeah, didn't I pay, don't. you know. Yeah. And Mike's thinking, God, it's bad enough he coaches me. He needs to give give Denise a break a little bit. But no, but my dad, my dad was great. He gave us great opportunities, a, a, a love of 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 each other and our family, and certainly a love of sports. Right. It was a a lot of what we did. Like I said, as a as a family, my mom came to every. I don't know if she missed anything any. Th- any game I ever played on high school and any sport. I don't wow. think so. Same with my siblings. She just didn't miss things. And then I'm in high school. Leanne's playing field hockey at UC Davis, so at least it was local. Right. Mike's playing, well, two years ahead of me in high school, and then he's at Sac City. So there was a lot of juggling to try to get to everything. I'm guessing she had a station wagon through she everybody. Did. Of course in. she had a station wagon. Yeah. Of course she had a <laughs> Mandatory. Yep, yep, yep. Throw everybody in. we had a in. second little car. and But my dad often, because of 
everything juggling. He'd ride a bike to school or walk, and my sister would ride bike one. Everybody does at UC Davis anyway, Mm -hmm. but she would ride. You know, we just did a juggling thing with transportation. I had (laughs) teammates who'd drop me off because a lot of times we had the late practice at night. I had teammates who would pick me up and drop off, but somehow it all worked. Yeah. We all got to our practices in the games, and my mom was at everything. My dad was at everything that he could get to. Right. You know? Yeah. How was the choice for you to decide UCLA was going to be your place? I think growing up in California and the influence of UCLA men's basketball and hearing about it and all the titles that Wooden had, you know, and and just hearing about it. You didn't hear so much about women's sports. No. And – but rightfully so. That I, no, he was dominating. Yeah, he was dominating. He's dominating. So you hear about that. Certainly, there's never any women's sports on TV. Um, no, Title not Nine then. passed not in 1972. So I'm 13 years old when it when it or about to turn 13. I'm in seventh grade. I think my sister's a sophomore in high school. She's just starting to get into sports. So I had a lot more opportunity even in high school than my sister did. And she's only I don't think it's much difference three years. Yeah, you know. And then I got an athletic scholarship. They those were kind of unheard of really until probably about my junior years when a lot of places even considered and a lot of places for girls were just giving partials. Right. Right, and they still do in some sports. I understand that, but as far as basketball now, um, yeah, because basketball is fifteen now, right? Yep, yeah, fifteen for women, thirteen for men, right? And that's because of right gender equity numbers and yeah. yeah. But I mean, for you to get anything back then, that was huge. And I got a full to UCLA, and had I not gotten one, I couldn't afford to get right. It. That's you know, my sister's at UC Davis, my brother is at Sac City, and then he's going to school in Rocky Mountain in Montana. So, yeah, I mean. That you know, I got recruited by certainly other places, but it, when UCLA came through with, with with a full ride, then my decision was, was that the done. push, the full ride. It had to be. You I mean, know, it was zero on your bank account. I'll do it. Yeah. Well, I I couldn't have gone otherwise. Right. So when they offered that, um, Ellen Mosier was a coach at the time. I had gone to summer camps, so I knew Ellen, and she recruited me. So when I verbaled or signed with UCLA, Billy Moore was still at Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Then they made a coaching change after what would be the end of my my uh, senior year in high school. So I played all four years for Billy, Billy at UCLA, yeah. but I signed when Ellen Mosier was the coach. Right. I, I, I saw Cal that. St- that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I can. I, I, you, Fullerton's probably my second choice. Which is crazy to think. Yeah, but, but, but you know, that's a great program and, it, and a great coach. And, you know, it's fantastic players. And and, uh, and Billy was the coach. And she, you know, she's an Olympic coach in 76. And I knew her. And I knew her from her camps and stuff. I'd actually worked her camps. So that was the biggest draw, to tell you the truth, was Billy. Right. I just thought UCLA, more of a dream school for me, had more to offer. I mean, Probably would have worked out fine there. But if Billy had left, I'd been pretty bummed, <laughs> you know? Right, right. But, you know, Fullerton was ahead of the game in a lot of ways at, at that time. Yeah. I mean, as far as really being supportive. Was Nancy? Was Nancy Dunkel. Na- Nancy there. Dunkel she was there? Four years, I think she's four years older than me. Right. So Debbie she, Ricketts, so Nancy that's Dunkel, why Brenda Bill, Martin. Yeah, yeah that was, they were setting down some serious foundation Absolutely. at that point. Um, Nancy Dunk was on the uh, 76, the first women's Olympic basketball team. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And Billy's the coach, and yeah. Jeez. So you show up to Westwood. What are your thoughts as a 
young girl, you know, showing up to well, L.A. Well, one, I think, I think something that really helped me the summer after my senior in high school and before I started at UCLA, I tried out for the U.S. Junior National Team. Right. It's the first time we had one for women, Junior National Team. So this is the summer of 77, and I made the Junior National Team. Pat Summit's the head coach. Now, here's an odd question. Pat had at the time. Right. But... Here, because this is obviously pre-internet, pre-anything. Mm-hmm. How does a girl in Davis find out about it? Um, I, I honestly don't remember. That should, would have been a good question for me to have asked my parents. Because that was... But, but Billy, yeah. Billy certainly knew me, and by then she was the coach. She mm-hmm. was going to be the coach. So she knew... I made the Parade All-American team, and that was the first year they had girls Parade All-American, 1977. It was. And I made that, okay. and I went back to New York and, and wow. got to play in the All-American. That was a big deal. That was huge. So I think everybody that was on, on the – I think they picked – I think it? now they pick like four teams. I think they, they picked several then too, but I think they got invitations. But tryouts were at Squaw Valley in uh, Northern California. So I don't know. I found out. I got to go. I made the team. As I mentioned, Pat Summit, Pat Head mm-hmm. at the time was a head coach, Julene Simpson. Uh, they were the backcourt of the, well, I shouldn't say backcourt because Annie Myers, but Julene was a, one of the captains and Pat was a captain of our 76 Olympic team. The next year they're coaching the junior national team. Now Pat had already been the head coach at Tennessee, I think for like three years or something by then because she I got know. it right out of college. So and Julene Simpson was also coaching already and then they played on the national team. So yeah, it was really, so it's, un- it's crazy, right? Yeah. When you think about it, we all know the kind of career that, that, that Pat had coaching. Right. I'm and here then, out of college. I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. I go back and, then and she, I play. I play in the Olympics. And next year, I'm our junior national team head coach. And then, you know, obviously, she ends up staying with USA Basketball. She's the 84 Olympic head coach, the 80 assistant Olympic coach. So, right. Yeah. I mean, so that really, that bridge between high school and college, playing that summer on the junior national team was huge. You know, because. How first, was it playing then with that quality of. That's it playing with that quality of players with and against that kind of competition in practice, certainly in the game, but in practice every day. Right. You got Nancy Lieberman, who had already been an Olympian in 76, but she's young enough because it's 19 and under the age. They And so they ask her, hey, will you play in our first junior national team? She had already been an Olympian the year right. before with our senior team. So she plays. I mean, here's she's super accomplished player, obviously a great player, Holly Warlick, who was a starting uh, guard at Tennessee for Pat Summit. She's on that team. Diane Frierson became my UCLA teammate. She was a year ahead of me. She had just finished her freshman year. Um, just great players. Um, Gina Beasley from NC State. It was a really, you know, it was a really good team. Right. And I don't want I mean, to miss this anybody, is not, but... But, yeah, but this is not like Sally from wherever high school that you're playing with. Now you're playing no, with these, quality playing with the big dogs. players. Yeah. No, absolutely. Did you hold your really own? Good. Did you feel... I did. I mean, I played really well. Had a really good summer. I ended up starting, played well. We we won uh, a junior tournament mm-hmm. in Squaw Valley, and then we went and played in a senior tournament in Mexico and won that as a junior national team. So it was really great experience for How me. How was that travel for you? I mean, you're talking about... Was, you're you're getting was, out now. Now it's cool. I mean, went to... We went to uh, Mexico City. My parents actually came down to watch. I was surprised they could swing it financially and otherwise. My dad was looking into driving. <laughs> and my mom's like, you know, Les, Mexico's really, Mexico City's pretty far down. We're not talking about, he goes, yeah, I know, but I'm looking at it financially and trying to, you know, if we can, mom says, if we go, we need to fly. And my parents, I don't, 
My mom had gone to Gander, Newfoundland once before she got married with her aunt back to Sw- through Gander back to Sweden because she talks about this trip. I don't know if my dad had even flown before, to tell you the truth, and went to Mexico. That might have been his first flight? I just thought about that. It might have been. He may- no, no, no. No, that might have been my dad's first flight. Yeah, might have been. Wow. I don't think I'm exaggerating that. My mom had done that trip because, you know, I mean, this is 1977. Yeah, and, and your parents were teachers. They're not yeah, like nobody's, bankers. And we're not flying. Where are you going? We're getting pot throwing everybody in the station wagon, including the dog. We're going to Montana's for the summer. And when my dad's working on the farm that my mom grew up on as a summer job. Right. So we're spending time there. Then we go to drive to the other side of the state to spend time with his mother. And then we drive back to California. And that's our summer vacation, right? Nice. So... And poor Ryan's just being dragged around. No, exactly. He's little. No, exactly. Absolutely. But it was great. It was, it was, it was great. But yeah, so my parents actually flew down and, and, and went to that, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. That, yeah. So that was a great experience. And it really, if I had any doubts, I think a lot of them were erased that, Hey, I can play at this next level. I'm, I'm ready. I can do this. I got a long way to go. I can certainly get a heck of a lot better. Right. But I I know I belong and I can do it. And I and I had confidence, but I got I got a lot more confidence after that summer. Like I'm like, all right, I I, I'm I can do this. Right. It's one thing holding your own, it's another thing being like I'm I can be here. Yes. And you know you belong. Right. And those practices are big. Oh, I can't even tell you. I mean, people talk about Pat Summit and the stare and all, right. you know, and this and how intense she was. And she and she was. And here I get her right out of high school. This is 1977. I think she's 25 or 6 years old. She's young, but she's super, super intense. And she wants to make it clear, you know, she's the head coach. We're not a lot of difference in age but right you know it was like and she'll still get in there and show you oh yeah she could Heck i'll yeah. bring an elbow but, just, but no absolutely <laughs> and she is she's definitely the most intense person i've ever been around without question yeah now there, i don't even think there's even a second place person that i can even think of but so practices were really hard i ended up playing her for her for five different summers her first year as a junior national coach and her last year with the national team in 84 in the 84 olympics so i saw her mellow throughout those seven eight years if you call that you know mellow right. with quote, quotation <laughs> her yeah. version of mellow is still no, like it's not like anybody else's <laughs> but when people talk about it, i said oh no you needed to play for pat early in her coaching career and you know unlike her collegiate players, not that that was always a picnic for them. When you're playing USA Bass in the summer, you don't have school or anything else. I mean, they kind of own you. I mean, that's it. You're there to play, period. Right. Right. You're wearing USA no, on the front, yeah, absolutely. and that's it. And that's it. You, uh-uh. This, it's all about that. It's all about preparation and practice and getting ready and getting ready to play. And, uh, yeah, she was, a lot of times you were just, to be honest, some of it was in survival mode. I just want to I get bet. through practice. I just want to get. And I wasn't the only one, though. You sure. Out soon, like, well, hey, even Nancy Lieberman, who by now has finished her freshman year in college, same with uh, Holly Warlick. So they've been through it, and and, she, and Holly played for Pat. So she'd been through it, you know, with Tennessee. But, you know, so it Did was Pat tough. Did crank it up a little bit, though, because it was Team uh, USA? Well, I thought so. I didn't have anything to compare it to, but That's yeah, true. but I know that from le- then playing after that collegiately, it's, you know, it's still pretty intense, but you're also, you're, you're a student. So, right. you know, there's a lot, a lot of other things going on. Now, how are you handling, Hey, uh, excuse me, Pat, I got to figure out how I'm going to sign up for classes. Like, how is that for you? 
you know, did you, or did you just show up and <laughs> you're ready to go? You're taking whatever you're well, taking. Well, no, when I went, when I went, when I started at UCLA and, and UCLA, because being on the quarter said, we didn't start to the end of September. So by the time I finished work with the summer commitments, probably beginning of August, I still worked some of Billy's camps and then I went to UCLA. So it, I didn't, it didn't piggyback right okay. up to it. So it was good, you know, that I had a little bit of downtime. And then when I started, cause you're still a kid. No, I'm, I turned 18 the end of August. Yeah. yeah. But it was a great experience. I mean, it was just, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, no. But and those the friendships and playing for Pat and for Julian Simpson and, and just everybody. Colleen Matsuhara was my assistant at UCLA. She was kind of the manager, quote unquote, manager, not like a collegiate manager, right. but USA Basketball, they always have a manager, kind of handles all the money and d- mm-hmm. takes care of a lot of stuff, kind of like the director of ops now. Right. She, w- she was part of that, which was really cool because Colleen and I go way back. So, yeah. It, that was huge for me, though. I can't emphasize that enough, that preparation to be ready for, for what's in store collegiately. Wow. What was that first year like at, US, at UCLA? Because you've got, you've got a lot better players than what you were playing with a year ago. You've just come off Team USA, and you have this teammate, Ann Myers, who's not too shabby. No, not too shabby at all. <laughs> Annie, Annie was a senior. You know the... Well, there's so many great things about Annie, but she she was playing volleyball, so she kind of joined us a little bit later with basketball. What is it with you talented I women? Know it. We, you know, it's a different time, and yeah. there's still a few two-sport, usually right. it's like football, and they'll run track or something, do an individual yeah. sport with it. But but Annie was great, super accepting, super helpful, um, just you know, great, great player, obviously, but really in people kind of overuse a better person, better teammate, just, just so good. So good to everybody. Super inclusive. We weren't always the, the closest off the court, this team, and there were only 10 players on it, but boy, we, you had, guys were only 10, but boy, we had great chemistry on the court. And you know, when you don't have chemistry and you certainly know when you do, mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't have it, you don't, you try to get it doesn't always work like that, but we had really, really good chemistry on on that team. And Why I do think, you think a lot that of was? it's because of Annie, uh, Heidi uh, Nestor was the other senior. I think just because they were so good with everybody, and I, I and they had a, there was a lot of talent, and they wanted to be successful. I think they knew that hey, we could be one of the top teams in the country, and that was a goal for everybody right. and, and a real belief. And for Annie, certainly she's a senior. Did she embrace the leadership role? Absolutely, Annie? no question. Because as you yes, know, leadership's absolutely. big. Oh, it's huge! It's huge. You don't have it's it. Huge. You can't having create that it. and being inclusive and being and being really sincere in who you are and yeah, don't and allow clicks to develop. No, and everybody, we didn't have any of that. And there was, I mean. It happens. You know, and there's here I come in, and I'm coming off the junior national team, and I've had a really good summer. We have a new coach, so it's new to everybody, not just me. It's new. Annie had played for certainly in the '76 Olympic team, and then in '75 with the Pan Am, so she knew Billy well. And her older sister Patty had played for Billy at Cal State Fullerton, so they had a connection. But but it's still, she's a first year coach at UCLA. Right. She can run a completely different you know, whatever. A- absolutely. Practice yeah, the game. Everything's, everything's different. different. Yeah. New coach. And new assistant and everything and um for whatever reason it really clicked you yeah know, we, you had, guys we had a great year. Right. we had a great year um your numbers are sick i scored a lot <laughs> and i have great teammates and i don't want to m- miss anybody but annie and anita ortega who's a junior so right. she's two years ahead of me a phenomenal player and now a, a pac-12 referee and a retired captain from mm-hmm. lapd super accomplished woman great teammate 
there wasn't jealousy, man. And I, it, people like, I'm shooting, man. Annie set me up. I'm going to shoot. Right. And Billy's, that's what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? She made me look really good. So the transition with USA Basketball certainly helped. And then just playing with the teammates that I played with, not just Annie, but especially Annie, just because she made everybody look good. How, how did she develop and understand where you wanted the ball? Right? I, th- I think she just, I think she just knows she's got great instincts. I mean, she's a phenomenal player and, she, and, and I think, I think when you do, when you have those kind of instincts, you know, what other people's strengths are, where they want it, where is this, you know, I, th- I think she did, this isn't an innate thing, I right. think with her and she understood, get Denise the ball. Now you're a forward, so are you playing I'm three for, or four, or how was the offense? Kind run? of, kind of a three and four. A lot of people assume because my size and I'm, I'm six one. A lot of people think I'm taller than that, but I've never measured taller than six one. Right. You can say I'm six two or three if you want. I don't really care, but but I never measured taller than that. So a lot of people were pigeonholed and only played inside at my size, especially you know we're talking forty mm-hmm. something years ago. Yeah. I played on the perimeter. I yeah. played on the perimeter in high school and inside. My high school coaches, I had two different ones, one my sophomore year and then a different one my junior and senior. They really prepared me. I. I feel blessed, and we backtrack a little bit to Davis. Davis was different in the sense when they when they really offered girls sports, they hired really good quality, competent coaches for the girls. That, that wasn't always the case. No, you and, know, and in fact, you look back now we, and realize that was rare. Yeah, we're it's rare. So I had Barb Eaton. So she leaves from coaching Davis High School. She played at UC Davis. She gets a UC Berkeley head job from Davis High School. Whoa. After my sophomore year. You can't do that now. No, Uh, unheard of. George Fleming, who's from North Dakota, um, he's a teacher at Davis High School. He'd coached boys basketball in the past. He's hired as the the girls' varsity job. So I had phenomenal coaches. Barb was great. George was great. We just lost George this fall. So... um, but just, I feel so blessed to have had you had the unbelievable coaches. building yeah. blocks. No, I did because I had my brother and my family and my father and the influence. The, the right coaches. Yes, absolutely. And you could have had the librarian no, coaching no, you. No, no. Well, yeah, no, it could have. You In know, fact, I'm saying, a lot of just, people didn't. Here it is. Oh, we got an English job open. Okay, we'll hire you, but you have to coach girls this and this. Not that, not that you're qualified right. or anything, yeah. but, you, and they would never do that with boys. No, never. No. And you don't really do that with now with girls either. Thankfully. No, but back then when things but yeah, were new, it was just kind of, but uh, uh-uh. we had great coaching. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean that, and now it's across the board. I mean, my father, I mentioned was my softball, softball coach in right. high school. I had really good field hockey coach, Sue Rosenberger. I had a really good Tom Lamarie and Jan Furman, the volleyball coaches. I had really good coaching. Jeez. And um, now, was everything hunky-dory and perfect? Was society really accepting? Were people calling you names and doing all this right. stuff? And Sure, absolutely. It, was, it wasn't always easy. I love the sport so much, and I'm surrounded by good people and good coaches and a, and a really supportive family and really good teammates. I had really good high school teammates, too. Where did you feel the pressure, someone giving you grief? like girls, I, It's just girls. society in general, name-calling and yelling and hooting and hot, you know. And it's a boy and, sport, oh, get yeah, out of here. Oh, Tom, yeah, tomboy and all that, you know, yeah. derog- you don't hardly even hear tomboy anymore, which is good, stupid. <laughs> I know. It's just, you know, but a lot of stuff. I think of Tommy just, Boy, the actual yeah, movie. Yeah, oh, there when you go. you say yeah, that, yeah. it's so funny, yeah. Tomboy, yeah, yeah, that's so But that was like this, what are you doing out there, Get it, you know. I mean, there was a lot of that. Right. It wasn't easy and far as far as that. And, you know, it 
society wasn't really accepting. If they had been, girls' sports and, and opportunities for girls and women would be much further along. Right. Even with the passage of Title IX, I just mean, get, get off my soapbox here. Here we are 50-whatever years later, right? A lot of places still aren't in compliance. No, yeah. And Title IX, it's legislation. It's not a suggestion. Yeah. And that's what really upsets me. When do these things become... Yeah, but but you know you know we got football too, or we got this, or we can't you know blah, we can't blah, blah. do both. No, we and so we're just gonna you know or well, we can the girls. Here's the always thing: girls don't want to play, and even when you're talking about women, it's girls. You know, right? They don't call them women. Girls don't want to play. How do well? How do you know if you if you don't have opportunity? You're not encouraged. Society isn't behind it. You don't hire good quality, competent people to coach and encourage and to mentor. How do you know? Once you start doing that, look at the explosion right. of girls and women in sport. Yeah. Right? And the things you learn in sport, it's just as important for girls, if not more so than boys. But oh. I want opportunity for everybody. I don't want to see men's sports cut. I think you had to figure you need to figure out a way to, to, to get, have both. To have right. both and be included, you know, to right. have opportunity for everybody. Yeah. I was at UCLA when they dropped wrestling. I think it was my senior year. That was devastating, man. I was mean, it I th- that early they dropped th- it? They dropped it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and we had just had a guy win the heavyweight title. Not that that matters at you that, but I mean, it's a good program. Right. It was, you have a national champion in right. any weight class. But it was a real. I just remember that was horrible. Now they said, well, they can stay and finish on scholarship, but they're not going to have it, or they can, you know, transfer. But nobody wants to see the rug pulled out on anybody. Did you get a sense that everybody kind of looked at women's sports at that time and feel like, well, we're losing wrestling because of you? I didn't necessarily, but this was my senior, it could have been my fifth year. I think it was my senior year at UCLA. But I just remember how, how devastating, like, I can't imagine if, if they dropped, you right. know, basketball. Or Your softball sophomore league. year? Right. Can you or imagine the ones that? that I played on. And I'm at this school and I'm representing the school where I want to be and I've given my all to academically, athletically, and all of a sudden, like, eh, can't afford it. So I, I hate when people point fingers at girls' and women's sports because men don't have it or it got dropped. Right. You're pointing them at the wrong place. Right. Always. They didn't need to be. Nobody should be dropped. I, but you need to. There's other creative ways of doing it. Right. Administration, it, presidents, school districts, superintendents, you name it. There's different ways of doing things that had people started being more creative a long time ago. We talk about Title IX really in the past. We still talk about it. But isn't it was, that amazing? We're still. But we're still talking about it like. And there's still have you still have Title IX coordinators on campus and this and that. And there's a lot of places I can tell you. I can I go to. Get Games. I go to Division Three games stuff, and I see what the men's team does and the, has and the women's, and I'm like, you're in violation. You're in violation. It's just, right. it's, come on, man. We're 2022. Come right. on. I think it's shocking I mean, that we still have to have a Title IX compliance officer. I agree. Like, I agree. What, what yeah, you, absolutely. This is like. Really? This should have been huh? taken care of as far as athletics. should have been taken care of a long time. Right. time ago I like it broke my heart when fullerton had to lose wrestling and women's yes, gymnastics and gymnastics and that was dan yeah. and jill they were married there was a husband I know and it. wife they lose their the, livelihood in their careers in the same day absolute I, I know that it was brutal i remember that brutal and it was so brutal. unnecessary I, I agree 
Yeah. And I know they drop they drop you know football in Long Beach State drop football around the same time as Cal State Fullerton. And yeah, I early know 90s. they cost a lot. You gotta figure out a way. I mean you just built this football stadium at Fullerton. Let's figure out a way to Right. To keep the program. Is it okay, don't drop it, but maybe we maybe we go down a division. Um, we don't offer quite as many scholarships, right. partials, things like that. Creative ways of keeping the sport. Don't lose opportunities for young people. Right. That I thought and yeah. I and I talked about this with Gene Murphy when he was alive that mm-hmm. he said he wanted to stay division one. He, you know, there's that prestige. Absolutely. And the fear of going division two he he said that just terrified him. Yeah, like it's yeah. All, you know all of a sudden I'm yeah. I'm I'm half a coach. He felt yeah. like I've been a I've been a D one yeah. coach yeah. this whole time. Mm-hmm. He goes, but if I look back at it now, he you know because he was done it at full at Casa Fullerton this time mm-hmm. when we had this conversation. He goes, I would have done it in a heartbeat. The things I could have done yeah. told Gene then. Don't yeah. fight it. You understand the situation. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. would go from I think it was. 90 or 85 scholarships back then, and we'll take it down to 60 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 65 or something. Yeah, what is yeah. it for Division mm-hmm. Division Two? But, I mean, and, yeah, so you go from, you know, you have one, and now you have one double A or whatever they call it, some right. division, and then there's Division Two and Division Three. But, but yeah, keep keep this, keep the sports, keep the opportunities right. there. Yeah, you can't. I mean, they're life-changing, not not just for me because I was able to do all these great things, which I feel bl- very blessed, but the things you get from sports – you can't get you, from anything else. Absolutely. You cannot get you cannot. from any place else. And um, I, there's always, so much value there. I've always, uh, where I work, uh, I'm on the hiring committee. And I actually look and see if people have played sports. Because I know if people have played sports, there's a better chance of being a leader, working in a team. Absolutely. Understanding difficult situations yes. and how to react to them. Yes. If somebody, and, and, yes. I, and I hate to be the person that goes, well, you've done nothing but pottery and you've never played any kind of sport. Do I hold that against you? No, no but, but I would maybe yeah. take the girls varsity, you know, uh, captain who led a team and who understands. And then she went and played division two. It's Cal State San Bernardino. Right. She fought through that. Yes. I like that. Conflict resolution. Yes. Goals. Yeah. Or you know, and the ability these, to juggle, and the ability to juggle time I'm an athlete, and this and this, and, and I'm also and a communication student. skills, all these things that are valuable, right, down the road. And so many people poo-poo athletics and look at it like, well, yeah, well, uh, you're oh, just chasing a ball around. Nah, you're missing the whole point. Right, that that is that's coming from an point. ignorant person who's Absolutely. never understood how it mm-hmm. actually works. Either that, or they're just jealous, right? Because they didn't participate for whatever, right? So even if you're not fortunate enough to play in high school or beyond that collegiately or professionally, whatever it is, but just playing as a young person, being part of a team, being exposed to that, doing physical activity, it's so good for girls for body image and confidence and things like oh, that. Yeah. That's can you believe lost. what your body was at 18 and what girls are doing in high school, not women Girls are doing in high school Absolutely. the CrossFit, the weight training, Absol- all yes. that stuff. Nutrition, nutrition. nutrition. What yep. would what and would Denise's body right, look right. like going into well, UCLA? Well, hopefully, a little bit better than it was. But <laughs> but, 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 the, you know, but I was in the same boat as most everybody but else. You did but not no. do those kind of no, things, right? You guys uh, all look the no, same. No, we did not do like those. Girls, things. now and you're that, like an injury prevention and things like exactly. that. training, not to get bulky, but just for like I said, strength. And injury prevention, right? Things like that. Taking time off, taking care of, 
how to take care of your body, how to get enough rest. Yeah. How to mental training. Mental training, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't around. No way. You know? Not at all. I mean all. there's some sports psychology, but nothing like there is today. No, nothing where like everybody that. has an opportunity to sit yeah. down with somebody mm-hmm. and let's just talk this through. Yeah. You know, that Ken yeah. Revisa, you know, yes. guru who just yes. will work you through a situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Life is simple. Let's just take yeah. a breath, work yeah. through it. Yeah. That championship you win that freshman year mm-hmm. at UCLA, mm-hmm. what was that moment like for you? You guys just crushed Maryland. Yeah, we played really well. You know, we had lost to them at Maryland earlier that year. Big kind of, rematch. Yeah, big rematch, I'm going to say. At home. And where I'm going to say we got homered at, at Maryland. So I didn't feel bad that we ended up hosting <laughs> okay, the tell Final me, Four. What happens? So, so, what happens so, at Maryland? So at Maryland, we're on this really tough road trip. Give me you your know? TV and, analyst. Bring yeah, it down. And, and Billy, would, Billy did that, and she did it every year after. We'd be like a week to 10-day road trip, go back and play really a tough schedule. We played Delta State, who was coming off three national championships. We played them in, in you know, in Madison Square Garden. We go down, we play NC State, we play at Maryland. So she was getting us prepared for what was coming down the, you know. Toughing you up. We were in a conference. We were in the league, and most of the country was not in leagues for women at that time. We were in a league here in Southern California. Yeah, the WACA, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, so we, she was preparing us for that and beyond. So that was a really tough tough trip. We ended up losing three games that year, and one of them was to Maryland. We lost and he got kind of butchered at the end, and they kind of swallowed their whistles. I'll say it for her. But you know, hey, that's sport. You're on the road. It's tough. Hey, if it's close, anything can happen. But right, yeah, we we were ready. Like when we when we got another chance at them, and they can say, "Wow, well, advantage you played at home." Yeah, well, you played there. You should have bid and hosted it. We were the first large school to win a uh, a women's basketball yeah. national championship. Immaculata had won three prior to to um, those three with uh, Delta State, and then in nineteen. 19- 70 was when Cal State Fullerton won, Westchester won. So we were the first kind of kind of what is now considered a power five right. school, uh, a bigger school to, to win a women's uh, national championship in basketball. And that's really interesting to think that it was you guys that finally did it. And you would think, oh, it was probably in reverse. Poor, poor little schools never had a chance. No, the little schools no, they were, were dominating. Did you know why? Because they would, because they invested in the women's programs. Right, they old Dominion, all invest, those. Right. Yeah, Wayland Baptist. Wayland Baptist flew to all their games. <laughs> People just right now in the last few years, a lot of women's programs and some men are actually charters and flying. They flew to games. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, it was a big, that was a big deal on Immaculate. But but those schools were all in with the women's sports right. and Delta State, all in. And I got to mention, I don't know if you heard the passing of Lucy Harris yesterday. No. Who, from the 76 Olympic team. Um, phenomenal woman. I didn't have a chance ever to play with her or against her, but I, I met her several times. Um, just a really neat lady. First woman to score in, in the Olympics. Olympics uh, for women's basketball. First time they had it right? was 76. Yeah. She scored the first bucket in Olympic history. Just a really neat woman. And yeah, we lost her yesterday at 66. So wow, I just wanna, that's young. Yeah, really young. But I didn't know her certain like Annie. She, Annie Myers, they were really close. They were teammates. Billy right. coached her. I, I reached out to Billy and Annie yesterday. We had some good texting conversations just because the loss of Lucy. But just really sure. a really neat, especially phenomenal player and athlete. Phenomenal. Wow. One of those people, like when I grew up, I, I mentioned UCLA was a dream in this, and that's mm-hmm. because of Wooden's program. But you didn't really hear about 
female players. They were there. They're playing AAU and barnstorming tours and doing things like that and playing at Immaculate and Delta State and Wayland Baptist. Yeah, and that's the other They're playing schools. AAU. Yes. They're not playing no, NCAA no, games. No, or AIW yet. Right. But, and I didn't, you know, we didn't hear them. We didn't, we didn't, certainly they weren't on TV, but they weren't, they weren't written up in the newspapers or magazines or anything. So we didn't really have people, heroes and people to look up to or mentors and things like that. But when I, when, you know, Lucy Harris was one for me when I first heard about her when I was in high school then she was one of those ones that yeah I thought wow what a cool lady so yeah I can I yeah. can I could be her someday yeah well I don't know about that but I certainly <laughs> I thought she she was great so and then I got a chance to to get to know her a little bit so right. I'm really happy about that why in the world did you think I'll play softball my freshman year as well and and, and win another championship well like, I, lo- I really enjoyed softball. Basketball is always my first love. So I'm in volleyball or field hockey or softball season. If I have a few minutes, I'm still out shooting in the driveway. Did you if not have, have enough to do your freshman I, year? No, I always <laughs> shot. So basketball is always it, but I really like softball. I really enjoyed it. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to try out my, uh, my freshman year. I know I'm there for basketball. Billy allowed me to do so. And Did you have to get, you had to get permission? Oh, yeah. Okay. And fortunately, I made the team. I can't remember when I tried out, but because we went all the way to the end of March with, with basketball, by the time I came out from softball, I'd made the team, but they'd been practicing for a couple months. Oh, yeah. This. And unlike the season, they were I'm, into the season, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Basketball, really good offensive player, not such a good defensive player. <laughs> softball, complete opposite at this level. I couldn't hit to save my life, but. At that level. I could in high school, but I was really good, I thought, defensively. What'd you play? What position? I was first base, and I pitched okay. in high school. Okay. But I'm not that level. At I'm UCLA, what'd you do? So I played first base. Okay. But I didn't I didn't play much. But by the time my bat finally came around, the season was about over because I missed all that. And the yeah. level of pitching, and, and you know, you're, you're playing against windmill pitchers and stuff like that. Most of the pitchers that I hit against in in high school, didn't throw windmill. They just, you know, just straight kind back straight and back forward. And, and, and yeah, and, you know, and the ball's doing all these crazy <laughs> things besides the speed of it. So I did get two doubles. I'll tell everybody, both of them, I, re- I, I batted right-handed. I've been so far behind the pitch, they're down the right field line because <laughs> I was so far behind the pitch. But my two hits that year were both doubles, stand-up doubles. I'm just mentioning. Stand-up doubles. But that's my hits. But I didn't I didn't play a lot. Did nor you show I, the speed? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I just hit it up. Like I said, I'm so far behind the pitch. But I was finally getting a little more comfortable in the season's on. Then we get deep in and we go to the World Series, and we ended up – you know, it was a a great team defensively. We had really good pitching, great team defense. We didn't we didn't score a lot, but we didn't give up any runs. Right. I mean, so we were really good, and that's Sue was his senior year, and Jan Jeffers and uh, Lisa Richardson are freshmen. But those are those are our two starting pitchers, and just yeah, it was a man. We just had we 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 got we played really well when it mattered most, and ended up winning it in softball. So. I win two titles my freshman year. It's all downhill after that. I tell everybody it's all downhill. I don't play softball any longer, which, now, why? which is fine. Just, did you just say, well, okay, that was just well, too much? No, after softball. I played on the June, the U.S. national team starting that summer. Yeah. Uh, that would be 78. Right. And then I was playing USA basketball after every year. Every after, year after yeah. that. And I, I, like I said, I don't know that I don't know that I would have made the team after that, anyway, I wasn't that good, you know. And I, and well, to, the more you played, so, yeah, you might have I would have been better, certainly. But, but my, 
You focus. Yeah, and everything was basketball. I knew that. Right. I'm there on a basketball scholar. That that's and that's my your talent. love too. Yeah, right? and that's yeah, and there's a lot more talent there. Right. <laughs> that's their love. But, that's but their I, love. Yeah, absolutely. But I love and Grant. I mean, this is and it's a top program in the country. It ends up being right. Yeah. I mean, nobody has that kind of longevity in the 40 years. Nobody's close to that. Oklahoma's been really great. Arizona's had great years. There's certainly been other programs that have done well at times, but nobody has that longevity that UCLA softball's had. No, not so at all. So, like I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of pride in saying I was on UCLA softball, their first national championship team. People are like, Are you kidding me? You played softball too? So, yeah, it was good. It was a yeah. wonderful experience, and I'm really thankful. That, that I got that opportunity. I mean, there are not many people at all that can say from March to what? May? Yeah, sometime in May. And we, yeah. They won two championships? Won two titles. In and, two different sports. And, and, as, and a freshman, man. Right, and, and a freshman. Right. Matt, seriously, Matt, it was all downhill after that. We did get, we got back to the Final Four my, my uh, sophomore year in basketball. But, but yeah, it was, that was now, a magical year. Now, did I appreciate it in, in absolutely at the time, but would I have appreciated it had I won those as juniors or seniors for sure? Because then you realize how difficult this really is. Right. The and I'm road. like, we win basketball. Yeah. And then we just say, yeah, I like this college thing. It's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And you realize how hard it is. It is and difficult really to stay hard. on top. Absolutely. And UCLA in basketball, unfortunately, has never won another one. We went back to the Final Four my sophomore year. They have, they've been to the Elite Eight a couple of years ago with Corey Close, who, by the way, is doing a phenomenal job with the, with the program. But they haven't, they haven't quite gotten, you know, got over that hump yet. But right. she's knocking on the door, and she's doing a great job. So, What do you think those next three years that challenge was that could not get the team to the finals and well, win? I don't, you know, we get to the Final Four my sophomore year, and everybody's, you know, you're the defending champ. Annie has graduated. Uh, Heidi Nestor has graduated. You know, big pieces. They both started. Um, what were filling those spots? And, that, and, and to say that, I, yeah, you know, that's not, hard not to fill. The- probably just by committee, kind of more. I mean, I had a bigger role. Anita Ortega, Diane Frierson, I played on the junior national team. She's a year ahead of me. Denise Cordelette, Tam Breckenridge, Debbie Halliday, Willie at the time. Everybody just, you know, everybody had to kind of step up. We... I mean, we get back to the final four. Man, that's not easy. No. That is not not easy. And we get there, we're getting beat by Old Dominion. They got Nancy Lieberman and Ing Nissen, who's six five Danish player, really good, and some other really great players. And they get up on us a bit, and man, we come roaring back and we cut it to five with the ball with about uh, maybe under two minutes. We had a shot to um to beat them. Unfortunately, we didn't. Mm-hmm. They went on and played Louisiana Tech, won the national championship two nights later. We played Tennessee for third place game. Want to talk about a bummer game to play in is the third place game. You go back, you lose in the semis, and then you're playing for third and fourth. They, they got rid of it. Just like, you know, right. NCAA used to have that too for men for yes. a long time. Yeah. You know, and hey, I would, we finished fourth. I would love to finish third, but, but at the time, you just. You it's know, kind of a you're weird so game. disappointed. The yeah. air just goes out. I mean, it would for anybody, but I think maybe a little, a little bit more for us because we're the defending champs too. And then you get beat, and then you got to get up to play again two nights later. And yeah, you know, it's we lost the, to Tennessee. It's the absolute least competitive game ever played. Yeah, it's not an all-star game as far as just let them score and doing this, but 
as a competitor, you want to do well, but your heart's not still. No, it's been ripped quite, out of your chest. Yeah, absolutely. It's so disappointing. <laughs> and you're playing the, yeah. the matinee game beforehand. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. You're, we're playing t- we're playing Tennessee <laughs> with a great program. Pat hadn't won any titles yet. She doesn't win until I want to think eighty six or eighty seven. Yeah, so this is seventy nine. You know, great teams every year. In fact, the year that we won it, my freshman year, I think they were the favorite. Um, you know that year. Yeah, right. that year. I mean, but. That's why you play the games, right? Mm-hmm. To see who is. But yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Just, but you know, thankful that we got there. Um, yeah. And then my junior year, we went lost in regionals, and my senior, we lost at Louisiana Tech. The winner went to the Final Four in Oregon, and Louisiana Tech ended up winning it. Did you feel any of the pressure at that point? Those couple last couple of years being Absol- upperclassmen. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think that just that just comes with the territory, and like you right. know, Billie Jean King's quote, pre- "Pressure is a privilege; mm-hmm. it only comes to those who earn it." You right. know, and so yeah, if you're in that that position, you're I'm a four year starter by the time my senior year, and we start three freshmen, Nisi Thompson and and Mary Haggerty and Deborah Thurston. I mean, and then Debbie Halliday, Debbie Willie Halliday. She's a fellow senior. I mean, we're pretty young. If we have that same group the next year, if they were like sophomores, man, I think we could win it. But yeah, sure. But we had a really good. Yeah, I mean, we still had a great see one game elite eight, one game for going to the final four. I mean, that's pretty. That's right. not. That's nothing to. Yeah. So from your freshman year to your senior year, do you see a evolve or change in the sports in in women's basketball Absolutely. in the right direction? Yes, for sure, for sure. So like that freshman year, more opportunity. Everybody's on, on full scholarship. When I when I came in as a freshman, Annie was on full scholarship. I don't know. I don't think anybody else came in on one until I did. Okay. So and after that, then everybody who comes in following is is is, is basically on a full. We were AIW, and then they went to NCAA, which the year after I finished. Right. But yeah. But so there was a big change then. But also just. I think a lot of it, the success we had, we got some notoriety. We're a big school. We want it all. Um, Winning breeds success. Absolutely. I mean, and people want to go there. Uh, people want to go there. People pay attention more. Right. They're aware, hey, you guys won the national championship. You know That looks yeah. like fun. Yeah. How disappointing were you that the 1980 Olympics didn't happen? Okay. So if you're asking me. Because you had a shot, right? I made the team. Right. I made the team. We won the pre-qualifying tournament in Bulgaria to go. You had to qualify. At the time, only, yes. only six women's teams made it. Now it's 12 men's and women's. Only six. And the host country's automatically in. So the Soviet Union's in. Five. They would yeah. have been in anyway. Right. But there's only five spots. We So President Carter, sometime is that late fall, mm-hmm. early winter, announces that we're going to boycott. He still had up to a certain, like, a couple weeks before the games to have changed right. his mind. So we had tryouts in Colorado Springs. We, pick, we picked a team, made the team. Probably most excited I've ever been to make a team, certainly. Really? They made the 80 team. Oh, absolutely. It's the Olympics. You made the Olympic team. You still you were still hoping we're, we're going to go. Now, you are still you, don't know. Are you paying attention to that? Like, what... Carter's doing and oh, what's yeah, going yeah, we're, on. We're, we're real aware. So now you're real becoming aware. a little politically aware. Like yeah, what's going what's on? What's going on? And mostly it's like, he can still change his mind. He can still change his mind. <laughs> USOC wants us to, to, to have tryouts 
we trained, we did all kinds of stuff in preparation. We went over to Bulgaria, as I mentioned. We win the pre-qualifying tournament. So if he changes his mind, we're, we're qualified, we're good to go, we're going. Doesn't happen, obviously. So I mean, how devastating are it's, you? It's pretty devastating. I mean, it's the Olympics. How do they tell it's you? It's a dream. For you, how, how would they tell the uh, women's? Uh, well, we, like I we knew, I mean, it was national news, you know, they were talking about it throughout the year. Olympics are a huge deal now. I think they were a bigger deal then because I think there's, there's so, such a growth of, of professional sports now and other, oper, you know, upper the opportunities right. for men and women. There's just more, there's more professional sports, right? There's just more things happening in the world. No, the Olympics are still a big deal, but I think everybody's locked in. Everybody was watching you know, the miracle on oh, ice or yeah. hearing about it in that. I mean, I just, you know. I That I, was really, for, for women's sports, that's the pinnacle. Absolutely. Because there women, was no thought of no, the not, ADL there's, or there's WNBA. No real, yeah, or, there had been some leagues that started and stopped and they tried, but nothing that really stuck. Right. And for basketball, yeah. And, really and you had just come off winning it in 76. They silver. They or got silver, the silver okay. in 76. I made the team in 78 and 79. Um, so we won the world championship 79, got silver in the Pan Am games. So our team's pretty good. We're considered a medal favorite. Uh, with Soviet Union would have been considered the favorite, especially with hosting. But at that time, they were considered the best team in the world. But we're probably... We're probably considered the next best team in the world. So we're a medal favorite. They had favorite. that one athlete. I remember Nancy telling me. Uliana Semenova? Yeah. 7'2". Yeah, yeah, just a giant yeah. and of good. a person. Left-handed. Yeah. Really skilled. And if you fouled her, a deadly free throw shooter. I actually played against her a few times when I was playing um, club ball mm -hmm. overseas, professional with the right. club in Germany. I played against her. It was more towards the tail end of her career. I also played against her on the national team. Was it so, what you expected when you played her? Yeah, she was better, certainly like anybody. I don't know how old she was, but by the time I played her in Germany, she was still really good. We actually upset them and, and, and beat them in a two-game series. But um, It's funny, like today yeah. there's no secrets. You can scout no, and see no, people. No, now, now it's so different. Right. And I then played it against was, her. Yeah. It's a mystery. In Nancy seven, said it was just yeah. well, everybody you know, had rumors yeah, about. Yeah, and the, Rus they, you know, the yeah. Russians, the Soviets, they, they practice all the time together. You know, their guards played in running shoes. Not basketball shoes. I mean, they they had laid the ball never hit the floor. You see those drills where you pass, right, pass, pass, yeah. it doesn't hit the floor. They did that in games. I'm not exaggerating. They were like a machine. They were really, really skilled. Was really that good. shocking to you to see that kind of yeah, precision? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And can, I mean, you just think, like, how many hours are they practicing? <laughs> and to do that, and how good are they? What did and they, they do they other great than players <laughs> other than Seminova. They had great guards. They're forwards are 6'3", six, 6'4", six, really good, really skilled. And just like a lot of, we see NBA big men that come over here. A lot of them are really good facing up. They shoot really well. Mm -hmm. European female and male players have played that, well, since I've been involved in basketball internationally. So that goes back 40-something years, 45 years or whatever right. it is. So, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, if you, you know, a couple decks, you know, we're, you're big, you're playing with your back to the basket, you're this, right. you're that, you know, you know, nah, that was a different style and a different, different wow. skill set. So was I disappointed in 1980? Yes. But did I support President Carter? Yes. I'm an American first and foremost. I really respected President Carter. D did I think he made a mistake on this? Yes, I still do. Some people think that helped with the downfall of the Soviet Union in the Eastern Bloc. Right. I, I, I don't know about that. I th really felt he thought he was doing the right thing. I think he probably was a little poorly advised. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, super disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fortunate because I'm able to play four years later, right. make the 84 team and play here in Los Angeles, and we won it and, and all of that. So, Because there's some people that missed the window. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, there were four of us from the just in women's basketball who, who made it in 84 who were on the 80 team. The rest didn't. And remember oh. at the time, you couldn't be a professional. Yeah, right. It was so still going very... overseas. You couldn't get paid. You couldn't do this. You were li- you were really limited. What you know, and a lot of them, you got to go on with your life and make money and do stuff like this. I mean, it was a it's a small window, yeah. really, at that time. Now it's different. Now you can play and you can get paid and you and that's your full time job and you can play. You know, look at Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, which is fantastic. I mean, they've played in five Olympics, right? But I mean, but that's you think yeah. about you think about some of those some of those women like. That was their time, and they're like, I got to move on. Like, I'm absolutely. a lawyer. I want to have a family. Absolutely. I want a whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I can't hold on for another four years for a what if. And what do, exactly. And what do I do? Find it? How do I support myself? Play at that level? Sure. And some of the women had to do that. Like, I know Pat did. She's coaching, and then you have to work out and prepare. And Julian Simpson and other ones, you're doing other things while you're, while you're coaching a team or working to be prepared. And then how do you get that level of competition? You try to play in men's leagues or things. I mean, you just do what you can do. Right. I'm lucky because after 80, I came back for my senior year at UCLA. And then I went overseas and played. So I'm playing professionally in Germany. And then I make the 84 team. So for me... Now, how did you make that balance of staying amateur and getting well, paid? Well, they, they kind of... There was more wiggle room with it at that point. Okay. Because everybody we're playing against, and including the Soviet team and every other team in the world those players are all getting paid sure ours was called a professional league with the nba right Mm -hmm. so they weren't allowed until the 92 olympics to play okay but every come on they there's guys making hundreds of thousands of dollars in on other teams that are that are still amateurs but it wasn't called a professional league per se Mm -hmm. so that's kind of it's just that was the fudging the numbers yeah it's just semantics really they're professional i was professional but it wasn't called as that the league isn't called a professional league but i'm paid to play in germany and then i played in france and i played in italy i'm paid to play for the eight years i played over right so when you're done your senior year are you thinking I'm going to go overseas or was there ever like, I want to take my degree in history and do something else. I thought, I thought about, you know, going to school and get my credential. I knew I still wanted to play and there were, there were some more opportunities to play overseas. There weren't really any opportunities here to play professionally. Oh, there was a lot of European basketball being played. Absolutely. And a lot of teammates played in Asia too, especially Japan. Yeah. And um, later on, South America. So the the opportunity, I said, nah, I still really wanted to play. So I, I you couldn't, I, you I couldn't went over. hang it up. No, you not felt, quite yet. You still had something. Absolutely. You know, I'm 20. Grad, well, I grad, I came back from my fifth year. I dropped out of two spring quarters at UCLA when I was on the national team, 79 and 80, because we're training and doing <laughs> stuff. You could do it at the time sure. as long as you're in good standing. So I came back for a whole fifth year, but actually ended up just it would really just be one extra quarter of right. school. Academic Not that school, right? Yeah. yeah. So I came back, kind of helped with the program at UCLA, finished school, and then I went over and played in in Germany. At that point, I'm like, I still want to play. So I make the national team that summer. This is summer of '82. And I play 83 and then 84 and then, you know, retired from the U.S. Right. program. But I just, I wanted to play. I played overseas. I'm playing well. I come back. I make the team. You know, I continue. I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate to, to still be able to play at that level and make the U.S. team and, and be a contributor. So, yeah. How was the challenge of going overseas 
you have language barriers, mm -hmm. financial barriers. Like there's not yeah. dollars. You're dealing with yeah. different currency. Yeah. I think that How was the that difficult, the most difficult You're a kid thing. too. So yeah, you're 20s, young you're... and it isn't now where, you know, you stay connected with texting and yeah. email and Instagram and all this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, you can read any, watch any movie, read any paper or this, do everything online. You can stay so connected at the, it was kind of isolating because my teammates in Germany, even though they all got some kind of stipend and I was on a really good team in Germany, they're all in school or working or doing something else. I've got a lot of free time to waiting for, we practice in the evening, but I didn't have, so I, you know, then the language barrier, I go from being so busy at UCLA with school and basketball and, and everything else to going over there again, language barrier, lots of free time. What do I, what do I do with this? You know, and, and time, didn't have time to like to go someplace for a few days because we're practicing every evening. Right. There's just, yeah, you just, if you didn't read, and I love to read, fortunately, I don't know what people did who played overseas when I did who didn't like to read because if you don't like to read books and stuff, you're really, I mean, it's, it's tough and it's expensive to call home. Oh, it's a fortune. You know, yeah, all that. It was cheaper for my parents to call me in Germany, so they would usually call me on Sundays. So we kind Great. of had a standing right. you know, date and time when when they'd call, but just it's it was kind of isolating. So first year over there, I didn't come home at Christmas. My sister came over to visit. We actually went to Sweden. We took the train to visit some of my mom's relatives for Christmas, which was pretty <laughs> cool. And then every year after that, I think I came home at Christmas time. But I think after that first year, you get used to it. You get more involved with, with the sport. I come back, I play in the national team. I want to continue to do that. I have an opportunity. I go back to Germany. So then it becomes just really a great experience. And Did and it feel business-like at that point for you? Not, not really. I always told myself if basketball ever really felt like a job, playing basketball, mm -hmm. I would stop. My last year playing in Italy, which was 89-90 season. Mm -hmm. So I went over to Europe with the hopes, okay, I want to keep playing, and I want to keep playing for U.S. basketball. I know I need to play organized competitive to have an opportunity to, to make the U.S. team. So I, I go overseas to play. And then I just kept playing another six years, even though I stopped you. So I play, I, 84 is my last year with the national team. I play till 90. So I play another six seasons because I just really enjoyed it. But that last year felt more like a job. And people say, oh, you're burnt out. No, it's, it was different. I, I just felt like, it just felt more like a job. And if basketball ever became more of that than a real passion, I'm not going to do it. So done. that, so it was time. I was relatively injury free. I'm 30 years old, about 31. I had a really good career. Thankful um, for the opportunities run. I had. Oh, it was a great run. I don't, I don't have any regrets. I don't have any regrets at all. I'm, I feel the blessed. World. The timing of Title IX, getting an athletic scholarship to go to UCLA, playing USA basketball, playing overseas for that many years. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Would right. I like? Would I like a bigger checking account and stuff like that. If I was a little bit, you know, younger and sure. as there's more opportunities, you get paid a lot more and you get endorsement opportunities and things like that. But I, w I wouldn't trade the experience. No. Absolutely not. Because you could easily say that when you played, Oh, if I had played in nineties and two thousands, but then there's, there's women who say, well, sweetheart, I was 80. Absolutely. I'm 80 years old. 
Yes. They didn't yes. even let me play basketball. No, you're right, man. So, yes. take your peach basket for and go sure. home. No, for sure. And like I mentioned, my sister, three years older, I had so many more opportunities than she did. Just Three, that. not 30, which is Three crazy. years. And I know people, I don't think it started with me. I don't think it started with AIW. I don't think, it, I know it started decades and decades be, right. before me, Um, you know, with uh, all the AAU clubs and so many of those women. Again, they didn't have nearly the opportunities I had. So, I'm really thankful. Right. For for what I had. Absolutely. Really thankful. Really blessed. Yeah. Walk me through that moment. You're sitting on the podium. You're in Pauly. It's 1984. And they put that gold medal. Well, actually, we played in the forum. They played in the forum? We were in the forum. Gymnastics was in Pauly. We played in the forum. That's right. So, yeah, really phenomenal. It's it's interesting. A a friend of mine's writing a a book. He's a a former sports information director at UCLA. He's writing a book on UCLA and USA women's athletics. Who is it? Who's writing? Mike Sondheim. Okay. Yeah. So he's, and he wants a picture for me on the podium. So I found it. My parents had one. And my good buddy, neighbor across the street, Elise Oviejo, he's a photographer. I take it over to him. He takes a picture of it and sharpens it up that does the contrast. All the stuff you know about, uh-huh. Matt, that I know nothing about. <laughs> and I just emailed that to Mike today of me getting actually the medal put around my neck. So it's really cool to look at it because I haven't seen that picture in, I don't know, a few decades. But, you know, obviously it brings back a bunch of emotion. And I also mentioned, as I'm telling Mitch, my photographer friend, as he's you know, manipulating the picture. You know, they forgot to give us our flowers. You know, they come out and they give you flowers too. And we never got them because somebody messed up and forgot the flowers. But I mentioned that to him and he says, really, Denise, that's what you're going to tell me? You're getting an Olympic medal put around and you're saying you, they forgot the flowers? I said, well, no, it's just to add on to, because, you know, that's part of the, you know, or you get, you know, you get the wreath on your head, you get something. But no, it just... I'm looking at that where's picture. Where's my bouquet? Yeah, where's my bouquet? I don't even like flowers. No, actually, I do. But no, but I'm just I'm just thinking of everything about it. And Ann Donovan, who we lost, I think, coming up on four years ago, she passed away, and she's on the podium. I'm just looking at her. Pat Summit, the head coach, is gone. Kay Yao, our assistant coach, is gone. Nancy Darcy, other assistant, they're all gone, and they're not that old. And I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, now, granted, it's just the players who actually get the medals and on the ceremony, but Anne's there, and I'm just like, God, this is such a bummer. Just just sad. I mean, what a great experience and what a great memory we all have. But then I, you know, it just brought back, and with losing Lucy Harris yesterday and Annie Myers and I texting about who we've lost from these national teams and how fortunate we were to play and what great relationships we have. And those are the special things with, with anything. It's the people. Right. The experiences and the people. It's not necessarily that you won or you this or that. You remember the people. And so it was cool to see that today and to share that with Mitch, but it also was a little bittersweet, like I said, with losing Ann Donovan and, and, and the coaching staff from that team. And I'm just like, man. We're we're not getting any younger, man. <laughs> we're not getting any. And I didn't get the flowers. <laughs> I'll get you some flowers after okay. the podcast. Well, I'll be okay. I don't know what I've done with them anyway. But anyhow, no, it's real. You know, you it's just put them in a hey, shadow box. <laughs> yeah, pro- yeah, exactly. That's what you do. You smash them, and then yeah. <laughs> so, eighty four. I grew up really in Northern California. I go to school in Los Angeles. The Olympics are in Los Angeles. And make the team. We win the gold medal. So my family's all here. Some of my best friends are there. Some of my teammates from and classmates from UCLA are working the Olympics. I mean, it's really cool because so many people are so important to me 
and so influential in, in my life and, and for me getting to where I was, were there. So it was really awesome to get to share that with everybody. What a moment. Yeah. What yeah. a moment. Yeah, what a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What? Do you remember trying to make eye contact with your parents or siblings or seeing anybody during that moment on the no, podium? No, it's just a little overwhelming, man, because you kind of like, you grow up in your, your uh, the first Olympics I remember watching 72 in Munich, mm-hmm. and I remember that. I remember waking up my parents and telling them with the Israeli hostage situation. Oh, right. I remember that as a, you know, 12, almost 13 year old. I remember that. But you just, and then you see the medal ceremonies and things, and, and and, uh, yeah, Olympics are a dream. I mean, that, that was the epitome, as we talked about earlier, especially for women's sports. There wasn't a lot, af- you know, after college for women. So if you were able to, to play internationally in the Olympics, I mean, it was – and then we got a medal, and we won the gold medal. I mean, it was – yeah. So I'm up there, and it's just emotional, man. It's just emotional. I know after you win, you get in the locker room, you have to put on this certain sweatsuit. It was a Levi's because if you notice everybody on the Olympics <laughs> – you know, if you see them when they, and they still do that, they're wearing identical suits. Now, that's not necessarily what the swimmers wore out for their, for their races or the basketball team or the wrestlers or you name it. or right. the base. But everybody has one, and that's for the medal ceremony. So, you, so when we're going to the forum for the gold medal game against Korea, it's like, make sure you have your warm-up because you're not getting on the podium they're like you have to wear that because that's levi's giving all this money donating this outfitting this and and all this and you've got to you wear that you run in there you take off your warm i can't remember if we took our uniforms off or not you put that one on not our basketball warm-up the levi one for the medal ceremony and then you're hustling back out there and then when i'm on there i don't remember looking i just remember you're just a little overwhelmed with everything you know and you're sharing it with all these people and yeah yeah, it's just. Do you still have your opening uh, ceremony and that podium closed? Do you still have mm-hmm. those? I do, I do. I still yeah. have those, and I have, I have one of the uniforms. I think I gave one to the basketball hall of fame and one to the women's basketball hall of fame. One of the because we had three uniforms, which right. is a big deal. We had a red one, a blue, and a white one. Right. You know, we hey, we got two road <laughs> uniforms. Pretty cool. I mean, Thank God a, we have three colors a, in our yeah, flag. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's true, but it was kind of cool. We, we they took good care of us, so. Yeah, but that's yeah. It's just yeah, good good stuff. Long time ago. Yeah. I'm thinking back, man, that's like thirty eight years. Oh, I was trying to find footage and watch and look at pictures, and it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was quite a run. Yeah. Basketball's done. Body's in good shape. You're feeling the business side, and it's not what you want to be. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you say, okay, where do I want to be in life? I think you know. Having my father as a coach, longtime coach and teacher. My brother's a high school teacher and coach. My younger brother is becomes a high school teacher and coach. Leanne's the only smart one. She went into HR, yeah, in administration. <laughs> of so course she, she got, did. Yeah. She's the hammer. Yeah, exactly. She's in charge. So, in a good way. In right. case she ever listens to it. In a good way, Leanne. But, um, hey, everybody needs that sibling. Yeah, that's true. But she's great. I mean, yeah. she's... So God love her. She kept you guys all right. Absolutely. She did. She did. Yeah, she put the hammer down. (laughs) It was good. I'd rather, well, I don't know. The wrath of dad or Leanne. I don't know. That's a toss up. (laughs) But, (laughs) but I, I think I'm done playing. I'm always kind of thought about coaching in, in, you know, back of my mind. And really I come back. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm in Southern California visiting Melanie Horn, a UCLA teammate of mine, staying at her place in Norwalk. 
And um, Goose Foster, the head coach at Cal, and Karen Smith, her assistant, will uh, come to um, the condo where Mel lives and two of her roommates, one of them's a high school coach, and they come to do a home visit at Mel's place. And so Mel says, well, let's just stop and say hi to Gooch and Karen on our way out. And so we did, and Gooch says, hey, Denise, how are you? I'm known them. We competed against Cal. I'd, I'd work camps with Gooch. I knew Karen Smith because she's a, she from Sacramento. She was a freshman. I was a senior. We played against each other in high school and then in college. Okay. So we just want to stop and say, hi, hey, what do you, you know, nice to see you. And we're, we're heading out of the place to go get, I don't know, just get out of the way. And Gooch says, Denise, what are you up to? And I, so, I said, well, I'm done playing. She goes, oh, you're done? Are you interested in coaching? I said, yeah, I'm getting, you know, she goes, I got an opening. Give me a call. So I call Gooch, like a couple days later after, you know, she's back in Berkeley, and and I become the restricted earnings or third assistant coach at Cal. So I kind of walked into a really good situation just from, you know, just happened to run into her and having relationships. I know her, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's who you know, right? Yeah. And so many things, and just the timing of it just happened to run into her that day. I don't know. So I, I end up staying at Cal for six years. And she's at Cal, not Northern Iowa. So you don't even yeah. have to go far. No, because I'm still Davis is kind of my base when I come back. Right. And so I commuted to Berkeley for a few months that season. Then I finally got a, a, a place to rent like a granny flat, flat from somebody, right. a family friend in Berkeley. So I, you know, I coached there for, for six years. And How I'm was there, your assistant coaching style? Well, it took me a while. I mean, I had coached in Europe young kids in 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 the club programs. They have all different levels, age group, and uh, clubs are on, except in Germany, didn't have a men's team. The other ones did. So there's boys and girls, younger kids. So I okay. had coached. And in France, the second team in France, kind of like what we'd call a JB team, it's called the Espoirs, which means the hopefuls. <laughs> so, and, and a lot of them are like, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, kind of high school to maybe community college age. So I helped coach that program and some of the younger ones. So I've done some coaching. I did some in Italy and I coached some younger girls in Germany too. We didn't have a boys team, but cause some, I coached some boys too, but, okay. but so I had done some coaching and I'd work camps when I was home in the summer. If I wasn't playing with the U S team, I'd work camps and things. So I had some experience, but nothing at all. Like you know, yeah, this collegiate. is organized. Every yeah, this day. is come on, this is collegiate, and it's yeah. changed since it's Pac Ten. It's the fall of ninety. I graduated, finished playing in eighty one. So we're talking nine years later. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. There's a lot of yeah. It's a pack, right. it's a Pac Ten now, right? And it wasn't when I was there. So obviously it's NCAA, and it had been since eighty two. But it's I mean, NCAA when you played, it wasn't even Pac Eight. It was no, you were in a but w- we had a great a- conference, right? I mean, Long Beach State and Fullerton and UCLA and San Diego State, and then the Arizonas came, I think, my junior and senior year. I mean, but those were really good programs. I mean, and like I said, mentioned earlier, a lot of the country, the girls' teams and women's, I should say women's collegiate teams, are not in conferences. Right. We're in a conference in a really darn good one. In a good area, basketball, basketball rich. Basketball area, lots of, lots of good talent. They're starting to be... Um, you know, more and more players coming in from out of the area as well throughout my, you know, collegiate career. There's really good talent. Right. Really good talent. Like, when I played at UCLA, so Annie's an Olympian. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, be- I become one while I'm there. Latanya Pollard is on the 1980 Olympic team from Long Beach State. Pam McGee's on the 84 Olympic team with me. I mean, from our conference, that's, that's quite a few Olympic basketball right. players right there. So... 
Did you enjoy those six years at Cal, kind of getting your really, feet wet? Really, really enjoyed it. Really, I love being at Cal. I'm a Bruin. There's <laughs> no question about that. But I like, I really like being at Cal. It's a great school. Um, I thought we offered a lot as, as a basketball program. And, um, yeah, it was a really good place for me to kind of get my feet wet and get into it and understand coaching and, and learning from a, from a good coach and from good staff members and understanding recruiting and how all that works. And yeah, it was, I, I, it was a really good experience and a really good place for me to be. I felt how fortunate the, that worked out like right. that. How does the ABL then call and become something of interest for you? So Gooch has been in the head coach at Cal since I think 79 i think my junior year when i was she's that long she's been there and then they may decide she's kind of ready i think to move on and they kind of made a decision to move on to i don't know you know right so this is 96 so now i'm trying to figure out okay i'm hoping cal interviews me they kind of give me a little bit of a you know we'll see what happens kind yeah, of yeah not really kind of thing or maybe you know maybe you'll be retained and i'm trying to figure out okay where do I want to go? Am I willing to go any place? What, what, I'm, uh, what do I apply for, this or that? Well, then the ABL starts up. So word got out that I'd be interested. I actually interviewed for the San Jose job, mm -hmm. and which is they shared offices with the ABL front office, actually, in San Jose at the time. The ABL ended up getting offices in Palo Alto later on. But um, I interviewed with the GM that they had just hired, who was a Stanford big basketball booster and she, they hired her. She came, she did something in Silicon Valley and she was super involved in basketball. She's hired as the GM. So I interview with her. Then I get a call back wanting to know if I'd be interested in an assistant coaching position. Cause they hired Jan Lowry from Tarleton state in Texas, super successful division two coach had played there. She had 20 years of 20 plus wins. She had 400 wow. something wins, 20 years, super successful. And so I, I come in and I interview with Jan and Jan said, Denise, I'd love to have you be part of the, yeah. I'm like, and she's so much, I mean, more prepared to be that than I am certainly. But so I end up being her assistant. So that's how that worked out. So I didn't have to leave Berkeley. I commuted to San Jose first year of the ABL. We start that. She, and now it's that, pro. So that's a different thing. That's for complete, you. the recruiting's there. Everything's so different, but it, but it's just starting. So it's a startup. So right. I, I mentioned ABL. We share offices. It kind of, it kind of interfering with what we're doing with the players somewhat, especially some of the Stanford players. That's a whole other story. But they were a little too close to what was going on when trying too much, like playing so and so and this and like, you know, like we have a head coach. I'm an assistant. We're practice. We're getting them prepared. I mean, you kind of hired us to do our job. Kind of let us do our job. Right. But they also. It's a startup. They're trying to get this thing going. They're trying to get sponsorship and interest. And, you know, Jennifer Azey's on the team and Val Whiting and Sonia Henning. They all played at Stanford and Anita Kaplan. Somebody else? we got four players, you know. And, is, and as, Stanford's coming off winning the 90 and 92 titles. Okay. So this is 90, fall of 96. So they're big names, certainly, and certainly in the Bay Area. And they're trying to promote the league with Jennifer Azey and with um, Teresa Edwards played at Georgia, both mm -hmm. from the, the 96 team. They chose to go with the ABL as founding players. And summer of 97 is when um, WNBA starts. Right. And so they have Lisa Leslie um, 
Rebecca Lobo and Cheryl Swoops, Swoops who then doesn't right. play the first year because she's pregnant. But those are kind of the founding players right. for the, for that. But we start that fall in November, and we play a traditional basketball season. WNBA starts in the summer. Summer, right? The same kind of schedule they're on. They're on now. Yeah. So um, that just worked out that that you know that they were interested enough and that Jan wanted to hire me as her assistant like I said I had interviewed with them but then you know they Jan got the job and like as I mentioned rightfully so and then she wanted me to to work with her and we're still really good friends that was a really good experience working with her really good experience but pros completely different so different. it's not the recruiting and this and that egos everything's different everybody it's just like being on the US team everybody is used to playing all the time. If mm-hmm. you weren't, you wouldn't even make make the team. Right. It's the first year you have all these players not just got drafted that year, but the last 10 or 15 years, it, a lot of them are playing. They've been playing overseas or not or want to play professionally in both leagues, you know, right. the ABL and the WNBA. So it's, you know, trying to integrate and, and figure out and make rosters and this and that. And, yeah, it was just. Who's going to play for us? And, and yeah. About I the mean, there's a draft, but this, but you could sign free agents. And, and I think the first year, if I'm not mistaken, Natalie Williams from UCLA, a volleyball basketball star there, and seven ninety six Olympian in basketball, Portland signs her kind of late, and she ends up being the MVP that year. You know, I'm like, dang, I wish we could have had her. But the league is kind of like, well, you have this. Okay, she can go here. You know, it's it's, it's in its infancy, right? Infancy. And they're trying to figure infancy. it out. Yeah, just like I'm sh- the NBA. Like, people think the NBA, it's always been like how it is. Uh-uh. The NBA were club teams and this, and you worked this before it evolved into what it is. Most of those guys, pretty, all, pretty much all of them had full-time jobs out of basketball season. Right. They had to. When you yeah. were playing basketball at UCLA, the NBA Finals was tape delayed. Yeah. People don't I re- realize. No, I remember we used to stay, and we had to stay up to like 1130 to watch the Lakers and Celtics games and stuff. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Then, it wasn't, that's not, to me, that's not long ago because it's my life and right. I don't think that I'm that ancient. But yeah. Well, then, I remember it as a don't kid. understand. Yeah. That, yeah. We stayed up to watch those games. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's not so, this big polished no, thing that it is today. No, it's not anything like that. Not at you all. know, and that that was a much improvement from the decades before that. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. when they used to yeah. smoke in the arena, oh, and yeah. they would have to open up the, the yeah. windows to let some of the smoke out. Hey, that was one of the eye openers for me for playing in Europe. Germany, for my first three years, I'm lucky. None of my teammates smoke, which is almost a miracle. So I go to France, end up playing four years in France, and I would say three or four of my teammates smoke. So we go in the locker room. We don't even get our shoes off, and they're lighting up. And we're in the dead of winter sometimes, and you can't or you're not supposed to open the windows in the locker room. And you're in there, and you're drenched, and you're exhausted and tired, and they're just smoking away. It's just, and people are smoking in the arenas, too, and lighting off firecrackers, not exaggerating, not just sparklers, firecrackers in some places. I mean, it's just, yeah, different. (laughs) Just different. Put it that way, right? It's not you see No, it's not at all here. Like smoking taboo, if you smoke, you know. I mean, I know a lot of NBA used to be you smoke. You know, kind of on the side, not, you know, they're lighting up. I even had a teammate, she'd want to light up at halftime. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like, please. No, no, come on, man. Well, yeah. uh, It's not that long ago, Major League Baseball players were Mm -hmm. smoking and coaches are off to the side. And 
and we still know all about chew. Right. Yeah. But at least and that still, doesn't yeah. impose on other people the same way that smoke does. Right. But, that yeah. always drove me nuts about uh, Tony Gwynn. Like, we knew about that for the longest time, and you still couldn't stop. He couldn't. And, and that's sad. Yeah. That's so sad. I mean, cancer just sucks, obviously. Right. But, but you see people with, you know, mouth and tongue cancers and lip, and it's just brutal. Yeah, absolutely. That's just so, so sad. But, you know, it's... I'm sure if he could, he would have. It's right. So all of a sudden, you have two interesting knocks at your door. The Hall of Fame comes knocking, says, hey, we'd like you to join our wonderful thing. And you accept a head coaching job for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's quite a run, the little 24 hours span of being inducted and going. No, so I I get a call from the Basketball Hall of Fame saying we're going to announce our people whatever day. Mm-hmm. I think this is, might have been the week before. I can't remember the exact thing. You'll know if you're in, you'll get a call Monday by a certain time, and you're going to need to fly to New York that day, that same day, because they want you to do a press conference next day. And I'm I'm in the, on the West Coast, so obviously I have to get there the day before. So I don't know if I'm getting in or not until I get a call first. I want to think it was a Monday morning. I get a call first thing, like it was 6 or 7 in the morning. It, Early here, because obviously three hours ahead in New York or or Massachusetts, where the Hall of Fame is. So I get a call and say, congratulations, you've been inducted to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm just like, wow. And I would kind of looked up, I had an idea. I knew I needed to go out of San Francisco versus Oakland. I lived in Berkeley. It would have been easier that way to get a nonstop. And they go, okay, we have a, do you have a ride? And I'm like, yep, okay, we've got, now you do Uber or whatever. They right, provide yeah. something. You're on a 10 o'clock or whatever flight, whatever it was. It was only a few hours later. It might have been a little later than that. But, uh, but you're on a flight to New York. You have a press conference tomorrow morning. So fly to New York City, spend the night. Next, I'm at Hilton downtown. And next morning we do a press conference. And a couple hours later, I'm in taxi, head back to the airport, and I fly back the next day. Whirlwind. So that's February. I'm coaching the Lasers in the ABL. So they knew that there was, you know, possibility I'm going to get this call and that I'll mispractice. Right. I don't think I miss any games. But, yeah, that was just whirlwind. So that's February. The induction isn't until September. Uh-huh. So, um yeah, it's pretty. That's yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, I, that wasn't even on my radar. I mean, when I first started playing basketball, there weren't even scholarships f- for girls and for women to play in college. So that's and then that's something that's starting to get talked about as I'm getting into high school. And so the, again, timing, mm-hmm. timing, so much of everything, right? Right. So I get this opportunity to go to UCLA on a full ride. They the first class of women in the basketball hall of fame is ninety two, I believe. I'm in the class of 97. So I know certainly that, you know, I'm done playing because I stopped playing overseas in 90. So I know that women after 92 are getting in. I mean, I know I had a really great career and I'd be considered. I'm not going to say, oh, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I knew I should be considered to tell you the truth. But you don't know. And you don't know if you're going to get in right away or if you're going to have to, you know. I knew I was nominated and I knew I was in one of the finalists because I'd gotten that call to tell me to be prepared because we want you in New York tomorrow if, if you get in. And um, and it doesn't leak. I mean, now I, I even now I don't think stuff leaks. I think they do a pretty good job most of these. They you don't know until that. they make that yeah. and then somebody has the has it and hush, hush until it's, until it's released. So um, 
yeah, that wasn't even on my radar either because, you know, it's just for men. One thing about the Basketball Hall of Fame, unlike our other Hall of Fames as far as major sports, it's inclusive. It's men, women, high school, international, old-timers. Right. Everybody. It's everybody. So, yeah, it's it's really, it's it's really. The best of the best in yeah, one and, place. And every, yeah, and all, yeah. Yeah, so I was one of the first 10 female players inducted. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, Joan Crawford, she was an AAU player. Um, she st- she lives in Oklahoma. We still taste. We stay in touch. We have the same birthday. I think she's 22 years older than me. I think that's what it is. But it's really cool. So she- I met her in New York, and <laughs> and so that was really neat. I'd heard of her. I never had met her. So that was really really neat to uh, to go in with with another woman. It was right. really, it was really cool. That's good. So yeah, and so the inductions in September. By then. I get I I'm the head coach at Cal State Fullerton. I accept that job. I enjoyed my year in the ABL. Learned a heck of a lot. Um, they made a head coaching change. I was trying to. I had an opportunity to stay in the league as an assistant, and I really miss college. I miss the academic environment and just college athletics. Still, my so love. night and day. As, my, as many things as I've done, my proudest things are are m- my teammates and friends from college and high school. I mean, I have great teammates from overseas and, and the national team and did great things. But when I think about my career, what what I always think about first are those relationships at UCLA and from Davis High School, to tell you the truth. Right. Yeah, that's – but, but um, yeah, so I, I, I miss college. I miss being on a, a college campus. I just – something about college is just special. There's right, no place it like it. So I have this opportunity. You know, I interview at Cal State Fullerton. I'm fortunate to get off of the job. And, and so I'm at Cal State Fullerton and, and have to leave – have to <laughs> to go back to Springfield, Massachusetts for the induction ceremony weekend in September of 97. You picked a beautiful dress. Oh, Yes. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, my sister helped with that. <laughs> and my mom, my mom's a home ec major okay. at Montana State and then a home ec teacher. My sister majored in consumer textiles and design. She's uh, she's in HR now. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, I didn't have any trouble getting stuff and getting stuff to fit and getting it tailored to that, and it happened right at home. So. I listened to the whole yeah. speech. It was oh, you big, did? Yeah, you even mentioned, like, I got to get back soon. I, I got, did, man. I got I recruiting. Wish, <laughs> I wish, uh, yeah, I wish uh, that had gone a little better at Fullerton. But, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, I get in the Basketball Hall of Fame and I get a head coach. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, yeah. Talk about that that time at Fullerton because it's your first head coaching yes. job. So you get to wear the big sombrero hat mm-hmm. and everything you've learned from coaches in the mm-hmm. past, you're trying to apply, you're trying to put your yes. own stamp on things. Like yes. how was that for you? Difficult. Difficult because you know I mean, I have a lot of confidence. I've I've been able to do some good things. I've had good success as an assistant coach. I think I understand basketball. I have a good background. I think I have good connections. I have some recruiting ties, things like that. But those 12 inches you move over, you know, I might as well, you know, be 400 miles. That's that seat. It's night and day as an assistant when you're in charge of, of everything. It just is. And the only way, you never know if you're ready, but the only way to do it is just, 
to do it, right? to get on that seat, to be the head coach and go through it. Now, if I'd been a head coach and then I was an assistant and I'd come back, I think I'd have been much more successful as far as wins, losses, because you, you learn so so much. And your first your first time through, you just, I was just felt like I'm treading water. Right, just trying to yeah, keep Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and would I've done things differently? A lot of things? Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. Could I have gotten more support there? From Cal State, Florida, oh. absolutely, but but that's not you know I I knew what was there, but you also think your ego, your confidence. I can do this. I know it's things are going to be tough, and and they haven't had a lot of success of late. They have a great history. That's one of the things that attracted me. They would won a national championship there, right? And Billy Moore was from there, and they have a great kinesiology program, a great communication school, business school. It's a it's a really good school. They have a lot to offer. It's a great location. I was somewhat familiar with it. Right. I haven't gone to school in Southern Cal, so. But yeah, you yeah, knew so, the area. Yeah, so there isn't. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. You know, it's hard to get head coaching jobs. Right, man, it was hard. I, I mean, I remember at one that. point, you know, because remember, I don't have to tell you. Remember, you yeah. know this. You had to face them six mm-hmm. times. Santa Barbara, that juggernaut. Mark Absolutely. had that thing rolling Oosh, up. He there. had it rolling. And I remember. I think it was your mm-hmm. maybe your freshman, mm-hmm. your freshman, mm-hmm. your first or second year. They're just dropping the hammer on us. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to Mel, can coach play? <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah, no, I felt you might have been the best player on the court. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Probably not, though. No, I'm a little fiery I, think, I still yeah, well, think you could have given them well, a good I, 10 I minutes. I wish I had coached better and put our players in a more successful position to be successful. What did you that's learn? What, you what what did you because that's what, you, what did you learn? Because you're being thrown in a, such a difficult yeah, situation. Yeah, but I signed up for it too. Yes, yes, you yes. know, and like I said, I, I could have done a better job. I wish I'd had some more support and things like that. But I also like I needed to do a better job. I needed to do a better job with recruiting. I need to do a better job with local outreach and local coaches and things like that. Because nobody cares. Oh, you played there or you did that. Okay, good, whatever. Nobody nobody really cares. You right. know, I might care that it's Deion Sanders coaching at Jackson State, but you know what I mean? No I mean but that's women's in this. You yeah. played Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. No, yeah, exactly. It's not like, okay, now Diana Taurasi's coming in and you know, everybody and she's a household mm-hmm. name for a lot of reasons, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But not that I'm Diana Taurasi, I'm Denise Curry. But the point is I could have done a, things uh, much better. Much better. I sh- yeah, and I probably should have, in retrospect, didn't want to. Um, probably should have gone more community college route to kind of get it going instead okay. of just going the collegiate route. Um, I will say this. We're a Division One program. I refused to not schedule teams who weren't Division One, and a lot of other programs in the Big West. So then you can get some W's. Right. Easier play W's, Hope. Potentially. Play Laverne. Yeah, and this and that. A lot of people were, I, I just, like, pre- I wouldn't do it. Now, maybe, I, I, I won't change that because it's Division One. You're either going to be, you're Division One or you pretend, don't pretend to be. If that's where you are, then that's what, where you need God to have success. God I hate that. That's, that's just me. Now, would like I have that. liked to, could I have maybe kept my job a little bit longer if I'd gotten some more W's? Maybe that would give more confidence in the players and therefore had we maybe been more successful? I, don't, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. but I And I also was like kind of stubborn and now I, I know how to do this and I know how to do this. And I probably didn't know it as well as 
probably could have got, I got Tina Craw came on board and I'm there. I had really good loyal staff members, but Tina was there for my last year, real experienced coach. We had coached together at Cal. She'd been a head coach right. of San Jose, probably needed somebody like her earlier. See, I was going to say, is it almost very smart for an athletic director or department to say to a rookie coach, Hey, why don't you find someone with some gray hair to help you out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone that knows yeah. has yeah. been around. Yeah. Probably would have, that would have been good to probably encourage that to push that a little yeah. bit more. Absolutely. Because absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there yeah. were moments you're yeah. trying to. No, and I don't, I haven't ever been in a lot of those situations, making the final calls on stuff and things like that and, and game preparation and, and, Absolutely. Practice organization. Oh, yeah. All, all of that. that stuff. Absolutely. There's How much, nothing like experience. Right. How There's much, nothing like experience. Yeah. You can't replay. You only, yeah. How much did you think you know as an assistant coach? And then. Oh, you think you know. You think you have all the answers. Like even, and I love working with Gooch. And I love working with Jan Lowry, the two coaches that right. I worked with prior to coming to Cal State Fullerton. But, you know, there's times like, man, I would do this or that. I'm not going to say that to the kids. I'm loyal to those coaches. But, right. you know, you're thinking, ah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And then you find out you, <laughs> when you're in that situation, it's not easy. Right. You don't have all the You thought you did. And it's easy. It's like when you're watching a game show, you're watching Jeopardy. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they can't get that. <laughs> but you know what? When you're up there, there, and you're trying to get the clicker and write the, you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. Come on. It's a little different when sure. you're in that situation. I mean, I think that was the best thing Mary did is bringing you in at Long Beach is that all of a sudden there's somebody that just as very recently wore that hat and took yeah. those blows. Yeah. No. And Mary and I had a relationship. So sometimes you worry. She was a freshman and I was a senior. Uh-huh. So you kind of worry we had a good, solid friendship. And you don't want to ruin that by coaching the internet if it doesn't work. Right. You know, and that like that. But Mary... Mary called me right away and said, Denise, I, I think I'm going to get the Long Beach job. I think I've got a real shot. At, I've, I've interviewed. I think it went well. Would you be interested in coming on board? She asked me that prior to getting it. Just when, she, you know, right. she just wanted to. Get feelers said, out. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Let's talk about it. will be interested in this. And then she calls me back and says, you know, a few days later, I got it. You want to come? Yes. She goes, we're going to have to interview. You're going to have to interview in front of this and this. Right. Not like now. You just, you know. Right. That's fine. Please don't make so sure you're not a drooling yeah, idiot from no, the last no, you, experience. No, exactly. They're going to let her hire who she wants. Sure. But absolutely. So I'm real appreciative of Mary giving me that opportunity. And I I, I love basketball. I love coaching. I, I like the interaction with the players and, and, I saw that. and all of that. Absolutely. I saw, I saw you being bruised at Fullerton. Like it was sure. just so many blows. You can only do so many things. But then when accurate. you, yeah. but when you got to Long Beach, you came so like easygoing, commutative. You were yeah. able to like part wisdom on Mary just enough at the right time. You will, I would see you pull players off the side. Someone would, you know, get yeah. pissed thinking this yeah. or that you'd pull and be like, listen, yeah. this is how it goes. Like you wore that hat so well. I think it, it certainly was a better fit for me, and I think I got my ego out of it. I got my ego hurt. I count. There's, there's certain people say, oh, it's not about it. Yeah, but most be sure it's ego when you play, when you coach, any competitive environment. You and wanted think, to win. Absolutely, and I love the sport and the passion I had for the sport, and I hated kids. I felt some of those kids shortchanged it. You know, and I, you have this opportunity. You're on a full ride here. 
everything's paid for tuition fees, room, board, books. You know, we travel, we do good things, we try to do some things, you know, when we're on the road, some, you know, fun things, extra right. things, expose you to different things, different experiences. We have baseball players at Cal State Fullerton, in some cases, will be major leaguers mm-hmm. one day. Some of them win a national championship. They're not even on a full ride. Yeah. Work in the off season. Work on your game. Those things bothered me. And like I said earlier today, some people have come back and said, well, people that are really good play, uh, players have a hard time coaching. They don't understand why they're not as good as you. No, it's for me, it was they not having passion or respect for the game that I thought it deserved and for the opportunity that you're presenting. You're getting a free education from a great institution. These students who are working full-time, working all summer, working weekends, coming out with debt and all that, and you get to play basketball and go to school and you come out debt-free. Right. It's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. So I think that bothered me. And I... You know, I understand everybody's not wired the same way. Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. I, I knew that. But when you're in the middle of it and you look back on it, you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that or this. I certainly learned a lot. I was ready to in, to be an assistant, and I think, I think I really helped Mary. I hope I did begin, again, having been an assistant and then been a head coach and knowing, like, our job, people would say, what's your job at Long Beach? Well, like, what are you in charge of? I said, we're in charge of making Mary's job as easy as it can be for her. Anything we can handle so she doesn't have to deal with it, that's our job. But they were like, yeah, but did you work with the post or did you do this? I said, yes, and this. But really, it's whatever comes up, no job is too small. Whatever it is that we need to do to take care of things to make her job and make it the best experience for the players, that, that's, that's your job. Right. And that that's from doing laundry on the road to picking up towels to making sure foods everything food there everything. to running running to Costco and buying cases. What whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're doing lots of basketball things, but it's to make that job and for her to not even have to think or deal with stuff so she can focus on what she needs to focus on. So many people does even administrators, fans, boosters have no idea what it takes to operate a team like no clue no clue and no. and they will say well, what do you do do you just work with the post players yeah you were a forward at ucla yeah oh, 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 what if you, that's yeah. the only thing no. i did yeah. my job would be so easy right. oh what do you what do you do in the off season <laughs> off season what's off season right no i get I mean, about 20 minutes yeah yeah no exactly it's like no it's yeah, there's there there's so much to do in the, and at Fullerton. So I had two assistants and then I got a third and she wasn't paid very much because they didn't have the funds for it. Where right. other schools in the Big West had three assistants. So some of those things that doesn't help you be six, as successfully. I'm not that those are facts. You can right. you can look that up, you know, but there's a lot of things that I wish I'd gotten a little more like I said administrative mm-hmm. help, guidance. Yep. Guidance with my staff, guidance with, you know, how to do this, how to maybe scheduling. I'd done scheduling. I felt pretty confident scheduling because Gooch let me do that there. But give, looking at things maybe a different way, hey, maybe you don't want to do that one. I'm like, well, if we're Division One, and we want to go there, we need to schedule like this. Well, maybe, you know, yeah. things like that. Cause maybe you, take maybe, Northern Arizona yeah, instead of Auburn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe being a little too ambitious. Right. Things like that. that you, you know, you, you learn those but things from going through them. Was that hard to pull back the competitiveness in you as the competitor? Absolutely. To the coach like we'll go do it yeah 
No, because you still, th- I can do this. I can get this I'll done. I'll will them? What, yeah. I, I mean, not that it's all about my playing, but I worked really hard for the opportunities I got. Yeah, the timing was right. I was surrounded by great people. I had really good coaching. All these things you and I have been discussing. Mm-hmm. But I worked really hard. Man, I've worked really hard for it. I sacrificed things. I gave up things. I didn't necessarily think of as giving up because I love basketball. I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do see how far I could go and take advantage of every opportunity. So I don't think things were given for me. I given to me. I earned them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with a lot of great support. Right. So the reason I think with coaching and you're a competitor of like, hey, I can get this done. I can work this. I can work hard. I can do this. It's not all about wins or losses, but let's be honest, they keep scoring the games for a reason. Right? Right. They keep track of the games. They tr- keep track of how many games you win or lose. They keep track of that so then they know if you go to postseason play or not. And, you know. And they figure yeah. it out from there. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, I learned, I learned a lot. Do I regret it? No. I don't, I don't, it was a difficult, absolutely. Was I shattered a little bit afterwards? Sure, getting, getting fired, losing my job, right. losing something, you know, and I didn't want to have a bad taste about basketball, you know. Right, it's your love, no, you don't no, want it to. Abs- it's been too important to me and to my family, and so, yeah. But, Did but you feel was, you got confidence back with those time with Mary? Yeah, absolutely. And, and had good relation, better relationship with those players than I did as a head coach. Again, I'd probably do that. I think I had good relationship with players at Cal. I think as a head coach, I probably probably put up a wall too much and I probably shouldn't have. But I'm like, okay, I'm the head coach. That's now, a learning you know, curve. No, absolutely. So I think, again, with Long Beach, I think I had good relationship with the players. And I loved a that, those teams. I did too. I mean, you guys I, were right there. You yeah, competitive. No, we had really you were good, fun to watch. We, we played good basketball. We had some really good players. Oh, man. We, we're like, we lose Karina Figueroa breaks her foot her freshman year. She's probably freshman year of the conference. Probably That's first team right. in the conference. We, don't, our, we have a second string, but we need more depth there. We, I, I, know we win the, I know we win the conference. And I actually think we're good enough. We could win a game depending on matchups. We're probably good enough. Get the right matchup. We could win a postseason. We could win an NCAA game. I really felt like a couple of those teams in there, we were probably good enough to do that. Are we going to make a deep run in the tournament? No. As it was, we didn't get to the tournament. But we were, you know, we had, you know, Idaho was really good then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the conference is completely different. When I'm at Long Beach State, we've got uh, North Texas, who's really good. You've got New Mexico State. You have Nevada, Reno. You have Boise State. They have football. They have so much more money than we did. Facilities are different. Um, real weight budget, rooms, recruiting yeah. weight. We, okay. We didn't have a strength coach until my last year, my, halfway through my last year at Fullerton, my third year there, they hired a full-time strength coach for the athletic department. We had a kinesiology teacher who we paid and she, she did the best she could, but we didn't have a strength room until my third year. So baseball had their own deal. Softball right. had their own deal at one of the fitness clubs. Everybody was kind of a little bit for themselves. And I understand why. they needed, You need to do what you need to do. Right, survival. We, we didn't have strength. Tra- yeah. I mean, there was just those things. Those things make a difference. People act like those don't make a difference. Oh, they, they sure do. Not being able to pay for summer school. Not being able to pay for inner session or winter session classes to help kids you know, with right. progress towards Progressed degrees and degrees, eligibility yeah. in some cases. But like, and yeah. if you can pay for summer school and have them on campus, you work out with them. No, 
kids went home and stuff because we weren't paying for that. We weren't getting a stipend to live. They need to do what they need to do. Right. So there's a lot of things that there's there's still a big difference in Division One. Certainly, oh certain yes, com- there is. But conferences have so many more things like the Big West than than they used to. Thank goodness. Right. Now, do they have what the Pac-12 has? No. No. No, but a lot of them have more, that, especially things I think are really important. Strength training. Strength training coaches and facilities that help, again, not just with that, but injury prevention. Giving these kids the best physical tools they can to help them be as successful. Making sure they graduate. Being able to pay pay for the summer school, winter session, come back and finish if they're not done in four years and we'll pick up the tab. All these things are super important. That's what we should be about, making sure kids have everything they can be successful in the classroom and on the court or in the field. Yeah. That's what it's about. should be. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you think about it that the responsibility that both the athlete and the university have, and sometimes it's short-sighted on both sides of, mm-hmm. of getting that degree you're at school for a purpose yes. and it's an advantage like no other. We're going to pay for all this play we, basketball or play that sport, we, but get a good degree yeah, and let us take care of that. Let us make sure we have all those things in place to help you. Right. We're going to take that. all the pitfalls away yes, for you. So we can do everything and make sure when you get out of here, hopefully you have a, a really good, positive, enjoyable experience and you have a degree. Right. And you have a degree. Right. Cause otherwise, man, what are we doing? Right. You're just playing you know, basketball. And I know it's about mu- it's about finances and money and I yeah, it's about stuff I don't even know about, right. you know, and and how the, you know, presidents and chancellors and ADs and how they get their, you know, I mean, it's I know ridiculous. it's not easy, but but those things I mean, that's why we're there at the college level. Should be. When did you feel like coaching was done? Um probably after Long Beach, I, I mean, I, I thought about that maybe I would, and I've done individual workouts and some stuff like that. And, but you, you know, I just, you just felt, I you, think you it was, given it all? yeah, I think it was a, yeah. And I, you know what? I mean, I you, have, from I the seventies till, yeah, the it was kind of all in yeah. for a long time. Um, I tell everybody I get to be a full-time Bruin fan now. And I love it. Season tickets to women's games, I, I get to as many as I absolutely can. They've been really good to me um, on their, you know, they've been making deep runs in the tournament, uh, uh, Final Four, not Final Four, excuse me, Sweet 16s, Elite Eights. Right. They've let me travel on the charter with them. They've let me go, like four or five of the, it's been awesome. They, I mean, it's just, I give me a full-time Bruin, and I give me a fan again, and get all that love of basketball back. That's great. And that's been really cool. That's been really cool. That's great. I am so happy that you got the job at Fullerton. I got to meet you. You got the job at Long Beach, and we got to become friends. Yep. And then yep. I get to see you even and, now. And now we're running. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're we're going to head yeah. off to the same basketball yeah. game yeah, together. Exactly. Yeah. Minutes. Like, it yeah. has been an absolute pleasure knowing you, learning about you, hearing these stories. I cannot thank you enough for this time. This has absolutely been fantastic. Thanks, Matt. You know, it's I mean, it's it's about relationships and people. Your memories are about the people and the things you experience together. And and like I said, I don't regret Fullerton and and 
met great people, obviously, you included, and I love seeing you at Fullerton College now, and we were rekindling our, our friendship and relationship. It's really cool, but life's about relationships and experiences, and yeah, I've been, I've been really fortunate. And it is. Thank you for having me. When you ask me, I'm like, really? I've never <laughs> even listened to a full po- podcast. I have listened to one, but probably not a full one, but it, it really intrigued me when you told me, oh, it's, I'm learning about cryptocurrency. I'm learning about longevity of marriages, and yeah. I'm like, Man, Matt, you're kind of all over. He goes, yeah, but the research is fascinating. It has been so, absolutely fascinating. Thank you for 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 asking me to do this and for for obliging me to tell um, my story a little bit. And um, yeah, it, no, thanks, Matt. It's been my pleasure. And I still say you could have given a good 17 minutes on that day when Fullerton <laughs> yeah. was playing Santa Barbara. But would we have won? Doesn't matter. Probably not. <laughs> I would have given my all. If I could get to, even at that age, if I could have got to the free throw line, I know I could have scored. I know you, you would have gone left. To, yes, I would have gone left. And they maybe have taken me on my right. So maybe we got, maybe even an and one. Who knows? Oh. Yeah, but who and knows? There was a three pointer. Yeah. And a lot of, backtrack a little bit. I'm bragging <laughs> a little bit here. We're going to be late. We didn't have, we didn't have a three point shot when I played college. And no. I shot on the perimeter while, and I did internationally. It came in internationally. After I stopped with the U.S. team, um, after the 80s, yes, something like that. So when I was still playing in Europe, they started, they had the three-point shot. But I never had it in college. And, I mean, I shot a lot from the perimeter. So, but... You and Pete Maravich would have had more points. Well, probably not that many. You could fill it up. You might have gotten close to four. I don't, all I, if it would have amounted to more W's and maybe got us over the hump to beat Old Dominion for a second title, that would have been awesome. But now, you know, there's no complaints. There's no, there's really no complaints. I I don't have any, I I shouldn't, and I don't. So thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for being such a good friend. Denise, you're the best. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Denise Curry. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe as well. Please leave a review if you enjoyed what you heard. And remember, you can follow the podcast on Instagram. And you can find all of our past shows on the website, justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.